You're listening to a rebroadcast of one of Art Bell's most popular programs. When you hear phone numbers, please do not call. Now, please enjoy this encore presentation of Art Bell. From the high desert and the great American Southwest, I bid you all good evening or good morning as the case may be across all these many, many prolific time zones. From the Hawaiian and Tishan Island chains in the west, eastward, across flyover country to the Virgin Islands, U.S. Virgin Islands, Caribbean, where Montserrat continues to smoke and choke into South America, north of the pole, this is Coast to Coast AM, the largest live overnight talk radio program in America. Isn't that amazing? I'm Art Bell, and we will do open lines tonight with one little exception. Now, last night I was feeling a little bit under the weather. So I wasn't here, and you got to hear a repeat. Now, as you know, I had planned to do my Area 51 employee line. So we didn't do that, so we'll do it tonight. (laughs) This should be interesting. It is your chance to sing like a bird. If you are currently employed at Area 51, the area the U.S. government says officially does not exist, Or if you have been employed at Area 51 in the past and now feel ready to sing, perhaps you can call up and disguise your voice or something, I don't know. Anyway, something like that. And uh, if you want to call up and sing, it's going to be your night to sing. It would be fun to see if we get any calls. Now, what I'm going to do is suspend my first-time caller line which, of course, is area code 702-727-1222. And that is now officially, as of this moment, the Area 51 singing line. All right? So only if you have worked at Area 51 or you presently work at Area 51 should you call area code 702-727-1222. What else is going on in the world? Well... Incredibly, not much, uh, because as you can see, if you watched uh, the various network newscasts tonight, the Princess Di story continues to lead apparent interest, which to me means there's not a hell of a lot going on. In the Die story, they are now preparing to consider charging the hotel at which the driver uh, did his apparent drinking, three times legal limit, I guess, huh? They're going to charge the hotel. Now, only in Paris, I suppose, only in Paris would such a thing occur. Or a socialized country someplace. Maybe kind of like this place these days. I mean, we are getting ready to sue gun manufacturers for the actions of those who own them, aren't we? So it's not so far out of line, even though it kind of feels that way. The army is battling or continues to battle. Um, sexual harassment from a PR point of view. They're now saying that sexual harassment in the armed services crosses all lines, gender lines, rank lines, every line. It's going on all over the place. And what else is new? You really think women ought to be in the military? I've always wondered about that. In some jobs, yes, but uh, in large numbers, I've always thought it was a mistake. And I continue to think so. They're talking about adding another week to godforsaken basic training. I had mine down in Lackland uh, 
Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio in the middle of the summer. Oh, man, that was horrible. Hot. Anyway, they're talking about adding another week to those hell weeks and uh, essentially giving people a sensitivity training week. <laughs> uh, they showed us, uh, when I was in the Air Force, films, uh, horrible uh, films, depicting what could occur to one were one to contract some horrible social disease. Uh, things that approximated the, the films they showed us what, uh, about what would occur if there was a nuclear war. It was horrible. So now I guess we are going to get a sensitivity training week in basic training. I'm sure glad I'm in and already out. Thank you very much. Last night, you may recall, I told you, I told you, uh, we're, we're trying to get a, an update from Daniel Brinkley. Let me, uh, let me take a quick break and see if I can get this handled because Daniel, I asked Daniel if he would like to do an update tonight and he said he would. Daniel, is this perchance you? Hi, Arndale. Oh, hi, Daniel. How are you doing? Um, I, I'm so glad to hear from you. I thought, um, gee, the show got started and my phone lines are ringing. You'd never make it through and so I managed to get a line for you. That's great. You're Listen, a great man. Thank you. Tell, every, tell if you are up to it. Daniel, tell everybody what happened to you, when it happened, and what's happened since. What happened to you? Well, I was uh, I was dealing with a hospice patient, Art, and I was I'm a person that has to have I don't like to tell my whole medical life, but I have to take anticoagulants because I have a heart valve, and I have to take tests for staph infections, and I have to watch out for all these things that could kill me. And by the regulation, since the the medicine I take is the anticoagulant. It's like Coumadin, which is the same basic ingredient of Decon. Rat poison. Yeah, and I take enormous amounts of it, and if it gets slightly, the slightest thing could deregulate it. And in the course of running and doing like everybody who does out in everyday life, I just don't like people dying alone. And I work so hard to try to piece that together, and I stay so driven at it, and I got my levels down low, and I called the doctor, and we stepped him up, and I didn't get a chance to take the test so that I could watch it on a regular thing. And it's just, I mean, I've lived with this for eight years since the heart valve, and I've never m missed it this bad, but I it came the holidays, and I was working with another, I got another veteran, and he was, you know, he was, he was at that place, so I had to be there. And I, I was tired, and then I got right back up, and I popped a blood vessel. So what happened? What happened is you got your regimen sort of out of order. Well, yeah, it went from the, it went from the place where I go. When we talked the last time, when we were on the phone, it had just dropped to like in the twelves and the thirteens, which means my heart valve clogs, and I'm dead. From the co my body coagulating the blood, and then when <laughs> when I got to adjust it and as it was adjusted it adjusted way too high and it went to 44 which means literally passing out and I was bleeding in my brain and I didn't go through this except that I couldn't stand up and I started blacking out and I never had it's been a long time since I've had those kinds of pains and headaches and stuff and I uh, I called my doctor and he says look you're at over 45 that means you're, you know you're at you're right there. Get here. By the time I got to the emergency room, I was, I didn't know where I was. I was drifting in that place, and then I'd started bleeding in my brain, and, uh. They, they found, they found three aneurysms, didn't they? Yeah. 
three areas where you well, were... What had you, happened, three, one, two big, one, two small ones and a large one, and it just started pouring blood into my brain, and the pressure started where I, I was losing, I lost movement on my left side, and they, they got me here, and they started to work on it. I mean, brain scans and all that kind of stuff, and they were looking to see, because of so much coumadin, so much anticoagulant, that this stuff was pouring out of my brain and that they were going to have to crack my skull open and the third of my skull and go in and try to stop them but they couldn't do that because it would create 15 to 20 more clots when they closed that up which would have to pass through the heart valve and then they started uh, looking at what would rescind and how they were going to drill holes in my skull and then worry about how to break the clots up moving through my heart so it didn't damage the heart valve. Well I remember you're saying when things were really rough, that they wanted to drill holes in your head and they wanted to open up your chest, so yes. that when the, so that when the clots passed, um, they would be, have immediate access to your heart. In other words, they'd already have you opened up. Yeah. And you said, I mean, oh. it's not like our, it's not like the old days when they cut your chest wide open. In the old days, they split me from my neck all the way down to my stomach, and they spread it open. They have. It's now like four-inch stuff. <laughs> you know, it's not like, uh, it's tough, but it's, science is better. I've learned a lot about uh, medicine in eight years. But when we finish, and so they were going to have to do that and then watch it, and you'd have to thin the blood for surgery. You can't, I can't have blood that coagulates, which would keep me alive, because that'll clog my heart valve and my heart would stop. Right. And that's just the place where I was. So you said, you told them no. You said, no, you're not going to open up my chest. Absolutely not. Are they crazy? I figured that if I could stop the bleeding internally, if I could get inside of myself, I've done it before. I live here. We are spiritual beings. And I, the pain was so great, I had to get in myself. When they got me into intensive care, you know, better living through chemistry is one thing, Art. But the true nature of us is a spiritual being that draws deep down inside of ourselves, alone and when it is, and that we have the potential to do it. And what was so remarkable for me was that the moment people started hearing it, as I was struggling there and I was drifting in those worlds, you know, I I live in those three worlds like I write about in those my books, and I I live there, and, and I, I, this is who I am. It's amazing even to me as I lie here, and I'm looking at the ceiling, a suspended acoustical ceiling, you know, in a, in a room, in a hospital, like eight years ago, I looked at the ceiling before open heart surgery. I've been looking at this ceiling for brain surgery or heart attacks or strokes for four days and enormous pain covered in a bruise, not knowing where I am, pumping these chemicals through me. I asked, you, I, I asked you, Daniel, remember I asked you, you, you said you were bruising, and I said, you mean you've got bruises all over? And you said, no, I am a bruise. No, I am a bruise. I have... You wouldn't, it's unbelievable. I am purple. I mean, I'm bruised because of the, just the stuff that you go through, Art. You've got four IVs in you right now? Mm-hmm. Four IVs right now. And you're yeah. on the phone. Oh, Daniel. And, uh, d- 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 tell me, did it bring back memories, Daniel, lying there looking at the ceiling again? Art, watch out, try this one, Art. This is September. It was a thunderstorm this morning when I woke up. For the first time, I'm off the list. I'm looking at the ceiling again like I did before. 
September 17th at 7.05 p.m. 1975, I got struck by lightning and I woke to a thunderstorm this morning. In just a few days from now, will be 22 years. 22 years ago. Wow. Now I've been through struck by lightning in 1975 and struck by lightning in 1978. I've been through dealing with being paralyzed and getting up over that and and struggling through two years of learning to walk and feed myself and so much madness and struggling and then trying to fulfill a vision and staying so driven. It's, it's amazing what you see when you sit here and so driven. And then to, to to look at how much I've been gone through and then here I come in September and I'm almost right there again. It's like they never let me get over the fact that sometimes I might try to forget that this is what's really happening to me in my life. Did you think that you were going to live through this one, or were there moments? Uh... They had moments. I didn't have them. No, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about you. No, the doctors had them. And I was hurting so bad, sometimes I didn't really care. Or, but I, I'm staying. We are living in the greatest times ever. So, Daniel, the late news on you is all three of the aneurysms stopped bleeding. Mm -hmm. There are clots, but they're there's beginning two, to dissolve now, right? Well, two of them are, and then there's one that they have to worry about. You still can't sit up or stand up, can you? I can't walk too far. But, no. You know, it's and they pump so much blood thinner through me and they're trying to balance the chemistry in me because if they don't balance the chemistry the something can happen and the clock can move and if the clock moves then it all starts again and the pain is always in my head but here was the key I was laying in that intensive care and people dying around me I'm thinking of who I am again here I am not the guy that's the hospice volunteer but one I'm of the, the guys. guy that's the hospice volunteer, the guy that's out talking and lecturing. I'm the guy that I'm I'm out there for. Yeah. I'm him, and I'm looking at an acoustical ceiling. Well, you were in there with a lot of people at first, and I remember you said you had to get out of there because um, I'm just laying it out for the audience. I remember you telling me there were people dying all around me, and I couldn't concentrate. Well, all right, I'm so... It's amazing what's happening to me as I begin to be the perceptions about things. But in my life, I always deal with my stuff inside because I heal from the inside out. Like everybody, we're spiritual. So you heal yourself, and, and under those conditions, I take it, you couldn't do I that. I was picking up. They got me there. My head's splitting open. I, don't, I can't hardly think. I can't think, and I can't put myself in an order. I just have to try to get away from the pain and determine what's wrong with me. And then the emergency room wasn't so bad. There were just a couple of things. But they moved me to intensive care right in front of the ward because I'm in really bad trouble. Mm -hmm. And I'm and so a lady, a little 20-year-old girl with asthma, her lungs are collapsed. They're ventilating. They're popping her open. A lady with cancer is right next to her, and there was one hollering, and they're rushing in and out. And I can't get inside because I'm feeling those emotions, and I'm picking up all those psychologies that my mind normally picks up because I deal with hospice and these kinds of situations, except it's happening to me too. 
<laughs> so you <laughs> had to get inward, and all that noise and all of those feelings that you were absorbing around you. All those let. sounds that people make when they're thinking without knowing we are spiritual. This is what I gained the most time in art. In this world of where medicine is, it's better living through chemistry because chemistry's helped me. It's helped me right here. I've seen it again, how terrified people are because they forget how spiritual we are and how interconnected that we are and how truly loving and close every single one of us are. And how I know is I didn't know you went on the air and told people to think about me and to send me love and to send prayers or thoughts or whatever that they would want to do. But I felt it. I did, Daniel, because I, they be are. Because I believe in the power of prayer. I'm Listen to me. If you were lying right now, if you were trying to tell me that you did not do it, I would know you were a liar. <laughs> because through that phone and through this place, all of a sudden, I began to be bathed in a love of energy that could only be somebody loving me, not somebody concerned with my health, but somebody loving me to take a time from a moment from their job or from what they were doing, and I'm in here hurting, hurting, and to think about whoever they knew about me or whatever they knew about me, to care about me. The room filled with a blue hue. And I'm not, you know, I'm not on drugs or anything. I live in this world, and I see it, and I'm bathed in it, and I'm watching it. And I, I see myself start to break and come out of it, where I see no surgery. We're not going to do it. Let me fight it. Let me fight it. Let me fight it. And I would do things to, I played, I listened to music eight hours a day, I put on Stephen Halpern and the healing tapes and guided imagery tapes and I stayed deep inside myself and I kept pulling that love. You know, I talked to your cousin who took you to the hospital, he said you began that process. He said, as a matter of fact, Danian hardly said two words to me all the way to the hospital. He started a two hour going, drive. He start, yeah, he started to go in, into himself all, at that point before you even got to the doctor, is that right? Yeah, but to see Art, I, I didn't know he told you that. But Art, in the, in the way that I've learned through 22 years of near-death experiences, in the way that I've learned and I've looked at a vision that I had, I never ever put it into the true context that they were everybody else was out there just like me and that we're close together and the people who listen to this radio show and the whole world together, we have a connection to each other that somewhere exists within the framework of our mental and physical dynamic. And it's a spiritual dynamic. And it's there because I go inside where I know where that spiritual place is. I built the center for why I have it down and, you know, why I built the centers, why I write the books, why I work on it. That's why I did it. All right, I want to talk to you about the spiritual side. We're spiritual beings inside physical bodies. Uh, Daniel, hold on. We're at the bottom of the hour. Can you hold tight? Sure. I'll All right. Thanks, All right, hang tight. We'll be right back. From the high desert, this is Coast to Coast AM. I'm Art Bell. With us from his hospital room, Daniel Brinkley. Back now to uh, an unidentified area in the south where Daniel Brinkley is sitting in a hospital room. Uh, not exactly an uh, unknown thing for Daniel. Uh, how you doing, Daniel? Still there? doing pretty good, Art. I'd like to tell everybody else that this is really good therapy for me. Being on the air? Well, I've been on this bed a long time, and it's been through a lot of stuff like learning about what other people are going, still going back through and thinking about 
how much they have helped me and how much the the whole point of what we're all about as friends and part of people and what the Art Bell Show is about and the people of the night is that we love each other and we care about each other and that they can send love to me and that I can lay in this room and I can feel it now. I can lay in this room covered in bruises but coming out of it and I can feel that love now. And when people were sending me all that love art, people like Larry Dossie who wrote a book on prayer, I was able to listen because I read and think about prayer to take those prayers and that love and those thoughts that were being sent to me and convert it to me as a useful product. Can I ask you a question about prayer, Daniel? Sure. I wonder about prayer a lot. Uh, There is no question in my mind prayer works for yourself, for others. Prayer works. But I'm not sure why. And they, it's funny, Daniel, when you were at the worst, CNN was running a thing about prayer, the power of prayer. And they had a doctor on, and he said, you know, 70 to 90% somewhere in there of, the, of people who take placebos will um, declare there to be an improvement in whatever condition they took them for. And 45% have a true and lasting uh, Rem- uh, that's exactly right. He said, so, I, I don't know if it's God, but I know it works. This was a God. I don't have any Listen, Art, that's not God. That's the, the divine might and power and the spirit within each of us as spiritual beings within this physical body. The moment I got in this hospital, Art, no matter how dying I am, no matter how, no matter how hard, much it hurts and I can't think and I can't see, I get a full-spectrum white enzyme. I make sure that the people close to me have me enough of trace minerals that I can take in small supplements. I get celery. I get pears. I get uh, prunes. And I get, uh, I'll get one of one or two other things like a fruit, a papaya that has a strong, uh, with a lot of paba in it. That's all I eat and I drink water. When you come to a hospital, everybody eats the same meals. They do the same stuff. Yep. But I'm not doing that. This is a place that should be hallowed and a place to come to heal and a sanctuary. And it's just better living through chemistry and maintenance. And so you've got people slipping food in for you? Well, I bring my stuff with me. I mean, <laughs> That's I what I mean. I put it in the bag. I've been here before, and I know what this body this body must have certain things in it full. It must have its trace minerals. It must have this. And nutrition is not a part of medicine. You are listening to the best of Art Bell. From the Kingdom of Nye, Coast to Coast AM continues with Art Bell. What do your doctors say? I mean, here you refused a lot of the treatment. Uh, they well, said, I'm, I mean, what are they saying? How are, how are they accounting for the way you're healing? Well, my cardiologist, which has been with me eight years, who's an army doctor who, who's really cool, he leaves me alone because he told me, he said, you know, you should have been dead years ago. He leaves me alone. Because he knows I can go inward. Because once you've been dead, Art, and you know you don't die, and this is all about what prayer is, and you know you don't die, then what do you do and what lives on? We have energy fields of bodies around us, and I swear this to everybody listening. This is not a story. This is what we really have. We have energy fields around us, and by being going through being dead, I've seen them. 
When you're in trouble in your physical self, you have to work in those energy fields. You must get to those energy fields to work. How do you do that? Well, you do it through a distance, like the foods that you, the supplements that you're just talking about, really taking a good look at your spiritual self, finding practical spirituality and practicing things like meditating. I've listened to music eight hours a day. Inner sancting music with my earplug. I never don't, I never not take my earplugs out and I bear the pain and I focus in my body to heal. I change my blood pressure in here. If I need the blood pressure to a certain place and the nurses, they act funny and the, my cardiologist is, he's just been with me for so long and he knows that I use alternatives and I use compatible medicines and I use energy medicines and Qigong. Well, does my he, art. does he agree with you? I mean, does he understand uh, he's seen it enough so he know, knows it works now and he doesn't shake his finger at you? All of them do that, but I'm still here. <laughs> you, what are you supposed to say? Yeah. I'm here. And, you know, better living through chemistry is where medicine is today. I've learned this. They are dealing with bicarbs. They are dealing with uh, blood gases. They are dealing with uh, tumors. Doctors, and I have two really good ones, the neurosurgeon and the neurologist and the uh, cardiologist, all three of them, because it's so complicated, they're chemists. We must put the art of healing back into this system. This is what's missing from it, and prayer comes into play. Prayer works. Prayer is not some religious point factor. Now, this doctor on CNN, Daniel, what he said was, the key word seems to be faith, whether it's faith in a placebo or faith in God or faith in your spiritual self. Whatever it is, the key word, he said, is faith. If you He's have wrong. faith, you can cure yourself. He's wrong. How would you say it? It's the love of yourself. In order for those people, Hart, who on your show and everybody from the bottom of my heart, from my soul, Every moment that you took from your jobs and you place and you thought about me, I felt it. So it's, a, it's a, as real as anything in the world. It's not a placebo, it's real. Hey, it's more real than anything in this world. We are, it's not faith, it's love. The love of ourselves and the love of someone else to give to someone else. Faith, having faith is a belief system in something. I do not have to believe. I do not have to have faith. This night, as I lay in this room, knowing I'm going to get up and I'm going to make it again, and I'm going to come back caring more and loving more about people and helping more in people facing these issues that I am now one of them again looking at the ceiling. When you go before surgery and you're looking at the ceiling of a of a hospital, what you're looking at is acoustical ceiling. So that's what you're looking at. Yeah, that's your life. I mean, and all you're seeing is right the ceiling. There. Well, I haven't looked at one of these in a long time, Art, and I'm looking at one. Yeah, I remember, I think I told you, Dan, in 30 days on my back because of my back, and I learned every little tiny. I used to take Bic lighters, Daniel, and laying on my back, that was my only exercise. I'd throw a Bic lighter up and see if I could just knock one of those little curly things off. <laughs> you start doing dumb stuff like that. You go, you're right. You go inside yourself. But see, Art, we have people lying in this place. This is a stroke ward is where I'm on now. Mm-hmm. We have people lying in a stroke ward waiting to waiting to have surgery. Or a stroke. Or a stroke. And they don't have a spiritual place. They don't have it. 
They don't have a place where we've included within the framework of the new ways of medicine and what's going on that spiritual place. And that's what I've learned because I lie here not afraid. I just hurt. And I'm not afraid. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm staying inward. I'm training. I'm looking. I'm watching. But no one's ever taught it to them. And you can bet that the love that was sent to me came to people around me. I watched the nurses who came into this room. I watched the people and how they've reacted because they see and feel the kind of love that's in here. Love works. I mean, power works. We are spiritual beings. We have the ability to change and alter so much stuff. And I never thought I'd ever see the day that I would want to stay here on this side as opposed to return to the other side. But I'll tell you something. I wouldn't miss the next five or six years of what's going to happen in the in the quickening and in the things for anything. But we have to take our, we have to look at if we were able to do this for one another, like you've done for me, and that that spiritual place that we are, that now everybody, because you're listening to me tell you this, the spiritual place that we are, we have the power to change many things if we took something just one day to day. We all as art knots, like astronauts is what I call us, <laughs> that we cared and loved something, we focused on something. You think, our own you, really, you really think that massive um, spiritual love. spiritual intervention can stop what might be coming otherwise? As much as I hate to admit this for the first time in my life, Armel, I have to say yes. I would have never. No one could have gotten me. I have felt and seen in my own self as just a guy lying here where two, th- two out of every three, three out of every five men in the United States will be diagnosed with cancer. One out of every three women will have breast cancer. I've been reading the statistics as I lie here and face myself. Yeah, I know. This is everybody I know. And within the context of this healing institution, this this chemistry place I'm in, to be able to put love back in here, and and I see the importance of my hospice, but I see the importance of putting a spiritual, practical spirituality and understanding the near-death experience and the dynamics of our energy bodies and how those energy bodies and to be touched and to be cared about. There's nothing to do with faith. We are powerful and mighty interconnected spiritual beings. We have greatness. We have destiny. And damn it, we have purpose. And we are connected. And I don't care what chemists say and scientists say because I'm out coming out of it. I've got a question for you, Daniel. What? I've got a question for you. Remember when you were struck by lightning? Oh, uh, no, Art, I just forgot that when I... Yeah, no, you know, all right. Just, no, no, let me, let me finish the sentence. When you were struck by lightning, you acquired a lot of psychic ability, really more than you wanted. You were hearing people and things crashing around you mentally, uh, hearing people's thoughts. And then you told me in the last interview we did that that began to slowly fade over the years. And what I'm wondering is, and the reason I'm asking this is because the other day you said it came suddenly rushing back with what just happened to you over the last week or so. Is that right? It came rushing back? Something's happening to me, Art. I mean, I'm not, it's not like being struck by lightning and the dramatics of what happened in Cairo Mino Medicine and the lightning shaman story. But never, 
I was struck by lightning that changed me. I was, you know, been through trauma. I, I, you know, I open heart surgery. Yep. I was close to that place again, but it was the love of people that felt like I had done something that contributed to their lives. That is the most amazing thing to me in my in my existence. That the kind of love that I have felt, that strengthened me and opened up through this this trauma, like everybody thinks happened in trauma, it opens up a whole different spiritual way for me to look at myself. Maybe your brain starts doing something a little differently when it's facing uh, the ultimate trauma, huh? You know, Art, I've been through all that brain stuff, doing stories with lightning. We are spiritual beings. And what has occurred is I'm watching myself change. I'm moving into a, it's a different level of how I perceive. I am perceiving more things, but it's of a different level. I'm, you know, I can't say, hey, Art, I understand it right now. I can understand reading yep. people's minds. I, I do this without any problem. I know. It's, I know. it's child's play. I'm looking at more dimensions of stuff that I don't really understand. I don't really understand them, but it's pretty wild to see that that they exist in there and how wonderfully how wonderful it is. We must, as a Art Bell show, we must pick our subjects. We must plan our times, and we must send our love and our power and our strength to surround it, protect it, and help it grow. And we must planted and we must do this because I've never seen the outpouring of love that I've ever felt in my life for people saying thank you for doing it for something you've done to help me and that one single part of it is the greatest transformation in me but it's opening up whole dimensions of me but but if we can do it for me we can do it for each other yeah, I think you're right we can do it for each other so Art don't listen for just this one night let your mind flow and realize that there's a great and wondrous spiritual world that we are all an integrated part of. We are interconnected in divinity. Well, we Daniel, if it does, if, you've got to be right, Daniel, because if you're... Um, I'm lying in this damned hospital bed, <laughs> Art. When my brain stopped bleeding, <laughs> I'm going to get up. I'm waiting for the blood clots to pass in my heart so I don't slur my speech or make me stumble around. I have to get back up and start again in life, but with a with a deeper sense of commitment, a more devoted brotherhood to the people that listen to me, that listen that I've helped in their lives, and that they return that love to me, and that it is changing me, and you can millions of people. There were hundreds of thousands of responses from everywhere, everywhere. Art, it didn't ten people. They were packing it everywhere. One more thing. When you get back up, it'll be with a slower schedule, Daniel. Yes, Master. <laughs> a slower schedule. But it, but it, I can see how I can do it. So the other thing, Art, and thanks for letting me talk, everybody, and thanks for just letting me look at do something other than this roof, because we must, without any question, Take our, our practical spirituality, reincorporate it back in our lives, and put it in the healthcare system. I know that Medicaid and Medicare was destroying it, and it had to go somewhere. Money for uh, uh, 
held for profit has to be something good because it's America. But these people are scared. They're lying with strokes and their families are in the halls and they are scared because they don't have the kind of love that you people send to me to this night and that I know from being what I've been through just that we are powerful spiritual beings and that I know where to go and what to do with that because I've been having to deal with it for 22 years to stay alive. And they need us. And we need to talk about it and educate and you know, my, I'm hearing them to politics, Art. You let me get on the air and I finally get to talk to somebody in the, the yeah. Access to Medical Treatment Act. I know that means a lot to you. It has got to be, from this bed, from where I'm looking at now, it has got to be one of the single most important pieces of legislation that we in our spiritual health body, if we don't, get access to medical treatment in alternative and compatible ways, which could be just have added to this program here with me, aromatherapy, color therapy, the kinds of things that I have in this room. They make fun of all the crystals and everything I've got piled up in this room, art, and I tape them to my chest, and I, I have this headset on all day long, and they come in and see my charts and see what I'm looking at, and they they shake their head, but I'm still here. Well, who cares what they think, Daniel? Oh, I care because I want them to change. Well, that's true from they that point of view. They're great doctors. But, I mean, right now, uh, whatever saves your life is whatever saves your life. So They're uh, great chemists, Art, yeah, but they're not doctors. But we have to put that back in here. We have to. And All right, you're going to, with luck, with luck, Daniel, maybe you're out of there, what, in a week? Yeah. If the blood, if they can watch the clots, but I'm out of here now. I mean, I'm out of here now. Getting to talk to everybody and tell them how much I thank you and, and getting to talk to Art Bell and let him be the person that tells the world that it isn't faith what placebo does. It's loving of ourselves and loving someone else. And that love changes and opens up us all. And we have proven it and we can keep proving it and keep doing it. All right, my friend, listen, we got to go, but. Um, Daniel, get better, and when you are, come see me. I shall, and Art, and everybody who's been there for me, you make me feel better tonight than I've felt in eight days, and I love you very much, and I thank you very, very much. Thanks, Daniel. Good night. This one's for you. What a wonderful world I see skies of blue With Art Bell. International callers may reach Art in the Kingdom of Nye by first dialing their access number to the USA, then 1 800 893 0903. 
1-800-893-0903. And you may fax art by calling area code 702-727-8499. That's area code 702-727-8499. Please limit faxes to one or two pages. Now again... Here is Art Bell. Yes, I am here. Top of the morning, everybody. We spent the last hour, incredibly, with Daniel Brinkley in a hospital room with four IVs circulating. He's not out of the woods yet. He uh, is facing the possibility of any one of these clots passing through his heart and stopping it uh, cold. But you've been praying for him for the last week, and uh, obviously from where he was, he has come a long way. And I don't think there could be any better update than for you to hear from him yourself. And I'm not sure, but this may be the first time there's ever been an interview like that from a hospital bed. Pretty remarkable stuff. All right, we are going to do now, I got, I got diverted there for about an hour, but we are going to do an Area 51 line. Now listen to me very closely, because I know a lot of you don't listen. So listen to me. Uh, attention, everybody. What is normally my first-time caller line is now going to be an Area 51 employee singing line. You know that place that doesn't exist? I was telling somebody who happens to be in the studio with me right now, earlier tonight, that there is a VFW here in Pahrump, Nevada. And if you go up to that VFW about 4.30 in the morning, there will be a number of buses, unless because I've talked about it, they've now changed it. I doubt it. I bet they're still there. Every morning about 4.30, 5 o'clock or so, and they're sitting there waiting for all these employees to go to Area 51. The funny thing is, right on the side of the buses, it says Area 51. <laughs> it actually says Area 51. And one of these days, I'm going to go up there with a camera, and I'm going to take some pictures of those buses for you, and I'll put it up on the net. Um, so anyway, we're going to be looking for people who either retired uh, from Area 51 and can now talk, or people who presently work at Area 51 and wish to tell us what's going on up there, because we all have deep suspicions about what's happening up there. So I'm just going to sort of open a line and see what happens. Now, we may not get any calls. I have no way of knowing. You know, when I open these lines, I have no way of knowing. It is, however, ringing. Now, whether it's ringing from somebody who actually was at Area 51 or it's ringing because somebody isn't listening to me right now saying, don't call that line, I have no way of knowing, but we will find out shortly. Okay, dare I venture forth to my Area 51 line? Sure I do. Let's see what we get. Uh, on my Area 51 line, you are on the air. Good uh, Good evening. Uh, hello, Mr. Uh, Bell. Hello it's there. It's so good to hear you. It's good to hear you, too. Are, are you going to tell us... From where you are calling, or would you rather keep that uh, secret? Um, I cannot tell you. Okay. Well, that makes sense. But then, you can, I can tell you who you can call me, and it, it's actually my first name. What you is your first me. name? Yes, you can call me Steve. Steve. Yeah. Figures. Oh, by the way, I was not the guy who sent all the faxes about the suitcase bombs. So. Okay. I was not that guy. Not that Steve. No. All right. All right. Did you work, or do you work at Area 51? I did, but more so to the point. I actually lived there for a time. You lived there? Yes. Well, I guess in, 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 I guess that makes sense in a way, that um, a lot of people who live there either commute from Las Vegas or my little town of Pahrump, or they actually reside there, which I bet they love. 
Because then you can't go talk to people. Well, actually, when you say Area 51, do you mean only Groom Lake? Oh, no. Or Pampoose? Oh, no. I mean S4. I mean any of the yeah. any of the interesting areas up there. S4. You worked at S4? No, that, that's the area where I was living. Oh, my. Now, S4 is where it is said they had the goodies. Oh, yes. Yes, I haven't been ordered to discuss that. You, I, I beg your pardon? I've been ordered to discuss S4 tonight. You've been ordered to discuss it? Yes, they were aware of your show, and it was a, it, it, well, we knew it wasn't going to be on last night, so I just went to bed. Oh, my. Well, you know, Bob Lazar, who lives in Las Vegas. Very interesting uh, man. Oh, yes, indeed. I've interviewed Bob Lazar. Yeah. And um, he claims that there have been any number of saucers, actual saucers, recovered saucers, back engineered, that he was part of that, yeah. and that they, they were flown out of uh, S4. Can you confirm his story, for starters? Yes, it happened. Before he was even there, at, at some point. There was, there was occasions, but, but they were not meant to be flown in the air. That, what you're seeing in the air is not coming from Area 51. It isn't? No. I mean, you know, like UFOs and all that. None of that's coming from Area 51. Those things out there are broken, and the ones that he saw setting there probably were in a state, various states of disrepair, in my opinion. Really? Yes, and they, they were like, like, you know, where you have junk, everybody's got junk. But if you've got junk like that, you're not going to take it to a landfill. Makes sense, right? No, you're not. So you've got to just kind of leave it sitting. When you say junk, we should qualify that. Extraterrestrial junk? Uh, what would you call extraterrestrial? Something not of Earth origin? Would Earth in a parallel timeline do? Uh, you bet it would. Would that qualify as extraterrestrial? You're damn right. Uh, yeah. uh, in my mind, it would. In other words, it certainly is in the realm of the paranormal. So what you're telling me yes. is that what's up there came not from another physical place, but another, rather, another dimension parallel to ours. Yeah, yes and no. It's both. The triangular objects were hand-me-downs that were no longer needed. And they were given to the people in the other timeline, who then turned against the people that originally gave them to them. You're saying you were ordered to come and say all this tonight? Yes. Uh-huh. Why? Because uh it is, um, yesterday was September 11th. Uh, it is September 11th on your time. Isn't it, it is still now September 11th, my time, yes. It is the day that the Mars Surveyor uh, enters the orbital phase of its mission. You're exactly right. They have uh, fired the, um, the slowing rockets, mm -hmm. and I understand they have done that successfully, they believe. And this craft will go into a polar orbit around right. Mars, mm -hmm. slowly mapping the entire planet. It will be finished in March of the year 1998. Uh-huh. And what do you think they'll find? I already know what they're going to find. Well, then that makes you a doubly valuable person. What, pray tell? Okay. As they come down from the pole, at first they're going to be mapping an area that originally had a lot of water. So 
what would you see if you drained the ocean? You know, a lot of dried up areas. Silt, that kind of thing. Yeah, but it's all solid rock, obviously, baked by the sun and all that. When you get down to latitude uh, about 40 degrees north of the Martian equator, you're going to see some pretty interesting things, actually. Like that what? Old, the Cydonia region? Yes. The Cydonia region has a counterpart region, and they're going to find that this time. Really? Yes. Now, and when you speak of Cydonia, you speak of the face on Mars and... And the city and the, the rail launcher and all that. All that stuff. Yeah, the rail launcher is most interesting to me. How? Rail launcher? The rail launcher. That's a gun. No, no, no. The rail launcher is, is a, a shuttle-type vehicle that was abandoned, and it's sitting on this rail inside a fortress. A fortress. A fortress. This this is a lot of the kind of stuff that David uh, Oates talked about oh, when yeah, he reversed yeah. the speech of the NASA guys. Oh yes. So you're saying all of that is true? Yes, but they they remember all that comes from what they were thinking subconsciously, more or less, and they it could get jumbled together. I'm not very familiar with that. I just heard it in passing at the time, but I don't recall that exactly. Why would your bosses want this information out? Because of what's about to happen next year. Uh, what, pray tell? There's going to be some, how should we say, major extreme revelations next year. And everything's got to be in place before that happens. Meanwhile, pressure is building. By pressure, I mean orders to throw it all out on the table right now. And I'm one that don't think it's appropriate at this time. You personally don't? No, I mean all of it right now. I'm all for the 98 thing. So you're sort of dribbling information out to get people prepared? Yes, but my greatest concern is they won't be prepared enough. And I don't, I mean, I'm troubled by what's happened. You want to lay out your cards? I mean, what's going to happen? You mean 1998? Yes, sir. Well, first of all, more of the same, more dribbling, as you call it, for starters. But then, of course, you mean the main material. Main event, yes, sir. Ultimately. You bet. Well, now, that would take place on, um, let's see, what date would that be? I've got, got a book over here. It's got it all laid out. You don't really? mind me getting it here? I don't mind a bit. You go right ahead. Just a second. All right. We're talking to a current Area 51 employee, he says. And uh, there is a book that lays out what's going to occur, and he's talking about 1990. Okay, I got it. All right, and then in 1998, you said you've got a date. You hear the pages turning? Yep, got it. July 20th, 1998. Oh, Richard Hoagland's going to like that. July 20th. Richard, Richard Hoagland? Yeah. Uh, that's oh. an important date <laughs> with Richard. Oh, I remember now. Yes, it was, but he I'm not sure that he knows about what really happened in 1986. Could, I wonder if anyone, if he could call in and we could ask him if he knows what happened on that day in 1986. That's well, part it, of the main... All right, but right now I want to know what's going to happen on July 20th, 1998. So does everybody. Oh, okay, right, right on. Uh, in 1998, on that date, everything is going to be revealed about what happened on July 20th, 1986 to July 26th, 1986, and how that relates to what is going on right now with the Mars material. All right, then, if we must, let us back up. 
July of 1986. What occurred? What occurred then, please? The culmination of the original plan, and we are currently in the twelfth year of the new plan now. What plan? What plan? Wh whose plan? Whose plan? Um, the Supreme Commandant. The Supreme Commandant? Sound familiar? Vaguely. Vaguely. The Supreme Commandant. That should be ringing some bells. This, no pun intended. Thank please. you. Thank you. Uh, this is September the 11th. Uh, huh, okay. Anyway, the, the point is, is that, do you recall um, any certain caller who might have called you on the Saturday morning, August 9th, during the night where you had the so-called MIB line? Yes, I remember the MIB line, certainly. And as a matter of fact, during the course of this very conversation we're having right now, I'm wondering why the men in black aren't moving in on you. Oh, they can't. Huh. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, that sounds to me like the soldier in the foxhole says, they'll, you know, everybody <laughs> around me might die, but I'm not... Oh, I've been, I've been in a few foxholes myself, I'll tell you. Yeah, well, it's that kind of psychology. What do you mean they can't get to you? Because I tell them what to do. You're that high in the food chain. Well, uh, unfortunately, it is a food chain, yes. <laughs> unfortunately for me, I occasionally learn the hard way <laughs> since I last talked. I did call you on that morning. I don't know if you recall or not. Listen, these beings, are they, are they as we are or are they different? Do they, do they look to be extraterrestrial in origin, even though they're... Uh, you mean Area 51 or in general or both? Well, you said they're extra-dimensional, not yes. extraterrestrial. So do they appear to be extraterrestrial, or do they appear exactly as we do, in form? Okay, this is hard to explain, but there's two levels. One level is, if you knew what to look for, yeah, you could tell the difference, easily. But if you say, oh, well, you know, so-and-so, you just pass them, you'd never notice it. So they could be wandering around in our streets now, ETs, and we, what well, I see. Well, you know, a few more than they used to be. There, there's about... Uh, How about if I call them EDs, <laughs> extra-dimensionals? Yeah, but see, you'd, if you could grill one of them, let's say you had a best-case scenario, you had them hypnotized, so it impenethal, reverse speech, everything, and you got everything out of them, yeah. you would never find out who was giving them the orders. It's not me, by the way. Because they're 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 getting programmed from a planet in this timeline in space. Why are, why are you revealing all of this now? Because of the amount of material that's going to be revealed next year would be unintelligible unless this was here lay, first. Lay it out first. Right. You know. In other words, I could talk for ten hours, and we would have shipped at the edge of the iceberg. That's just an example. You know, what is the purpose, then, of Area 51? Now, it's got different... I'm, I'm sorry, S4, whatever you want to call yep. it. In other words, uh, what is the main... Chief reason. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now or in the past or both? Yes. All. Yes. Okay. In the beginning, it was simply to develop new weapons. America needed new weapons to counter the Soviet threat. Right. The reason, you ready? You're holding on to your seat for this one. I don't think anybody knows this one. Yes. Okay. Okay, everybody in the Pentagon better hold on to their seat for this, and they're going to be hopping mad. Um, the people from a planet called Lanulos, 
Lanulos. Mm-hmm. I think you heard that before, I guess. Uh, they came here after World War II, and they told the Soviets, you better look out, the Americans are coming after you. Then they come to the Americans and tell them, you better look out, the Soviets are coming after you. Then they go to the Soviets and tell them, here's the kind of missiles you're going to need. And then they go to the Americans and say, you better get ready, here they come, here are the kind of missiles you're going to need. We'll give you the advice on what to build with your own technology. Sounds like they were promoting the idea of war. Oh, no. They knew the outcome. You know, you can use primitive computer projections now to get some idea of some things. And they used computer projections of an advanced kind to determine uh, the best possible outcome. And that they controlled the situation where you'd have a standoff. They needed desperately to have a Cold War standoff for 40 years. That was the plan. Why? To duplicate a precise same event that happened three times 19.5 centuries earlier on Atlantis. Atlantis? Atlantis. Atlantis that was destroyed By uh, two, be, because there was no intervention or what? Oh, no, there could not be any intervention then because there was no one in space. No one had traveled. Oh, yes, this would be an appropriate time to explain something. No, there is no intelligent life that evolved anywhere in the universe except on Earth. I've thought that myself and even wondered about this planet. <laughs> yeah, right, me too, <laughs> especially uh, in the last 50 years. And in a parallel universe, ditto. In other words, for every parallel dimension, I prefer a timeline, uh, you have only Earth evolving intelligent life. All right, listen, I have only about a minute left. So quickly sum up or say whatever you would like to say to everybody out there about where you work. Area 51's main purpose is to basically uh, build weapons, but it was taken over in 1986. It was taken over uh, by the people from Lanulos. And when they took it over, that's when I came in there. I was put in there to supervise what was going on in the lower levels. All right. Well, I have no way of knowing whether one word of what you have said is true, but you said it well. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you're welcome. And uh, you take care. There is our first Area 51 column. Hmm. The planet Linunos or whatever it was. What do you think? They're in charge since 86... Reagan said a bunch of stuff about that, you remember? We're going to break here at the bottom of the hour, and we'll be right back from the high desert. This is Coast to Coast AM. I'm Art Bell. If you've missed any part of tonight's program and you'd like to have a copy on tape, dial toll-free 1-800-917-4278. That number is Kingdom of Nye, Coast to Coast AM continues with Art Bell.
All right. Well, I said no future employees of Area 51, but this guy tripped me up. Uh, he's on the line now, and I can tell you're, uh, like, in a vehicle of some kind. Uh, yes, I'm uh, currently I'm driving a truck right now because I'm making a historical study of life in the 20th century. And uh, there's really no better way to study it than getting out there and uh, seeing it and experiencing it. So you're sort of slumming in the 20th, huh? There you go. Um, actually, uh, I'm from the 21st century, or the uh, 21st century, uh, the year 2072, and I worked at Area 51, or I guess you would say I will work at Area 51, which at that time is uh, the nation's capital. <laughs> there, there's a series Excuse of catastrophes that. that will occur, and I, I don't want to create a paradox by saying too much. But some events occur around the turn of the century in the uh, eastern part of the country. Uh, things happen where the government of the United States has to relocate. Now, now, bear in mind that you're on the air right now in Washington, D.C., on WWRC. I mean, they're all listening to you. So, Yes, that's why I have to be very careful. Please what be I'm very saying. careful, yes. Uh, so you're saying it, around the turn of the century, around 2000, something is going to happen. Yeah, I don't want to get into any more than that, but... I worked as an aide for the office of the president at Area 51. And in that time, in 2072, uh, the reason Area 51 was picked to be the uh, capital uh, of the United States, and for that matter, basically a one-world government is set up with the United States leading that effort. Oh, good. Um, there is, by that time, there will be no question of uh, life throughout the universe. In fact, uh, there'll be several races of aliens living with us. Um, I don't want I can't get into much more detail than that. But uh, let, me, was, let me ask you a question. How, how far can you go? We all know what a paradox is. You know, going back and killing your father, if time travel were possible, would suddenly negate you, at least in one timeline. Uh, how far can you go in telling us things without creating a paradox, something that will shift what otherwise would occur in a timeline? I can't, I can't actually alter events. Uh, for example, if, uh, if I come back now and I know, uh, if I invest in a certain thing in the stock market and become, uh, you know, a huge multimillionaire. Yes. When I, when that individual who I am now didn't, according to my current history. You would have changed things radically. Right. And so I have to be very careful. And now speaking in general terms like I'm doing to you over the air, uh, so then we can, we can safely assume Bill Gates is not a time traveler? Bill Gates is not a time traveler. Okay. Bill Gates is Bill Gates. and uh, Got his money, uh, honestly, in this timeline. Yes, he honestly got it in this timeline, though there's some interesting things about Bill Gates. Um, without going into detail, expect Bill Gates to enter politics before too long. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I figured it would. Now, is that is that is that something that could potentially? I mean, you you must be on the gray line there regarding a paradox. Well, I am, but here's the here's the beauty of it. When I'm on the phone with you talking, it's subjective. It's it's people's opinion. So what I really say is real subjective. Uh, some people might believe it. Some people won't. So I'm fairly safe in making general statements like that because. Probably a lot of people aren't going to believe it anyway. That's right. And so let me ask you this. Is there something minor 
but very specific that you can give us that's going to happen in the near-term future that we can watch for and say, aha, the guy from 2072 called it? Uh, Yeah, we're going to have uh, probably about March of this coming winter, Yes. Southern California and uh, Arizona are going to suffer severe flooding as a result of the El Nino that's building. And in 1999, the winter of 1999, there's going to be a major uh, devastating earthquake in Southern California. Um, Wait a minute, that was the winter of 99? The winter of 1999. How big will it be? Do you know? Um, from the history books I've read, um, it was about an 8.9 on the Richter oh, scale. Oh, my. But I'm not, uh, you know, I, I can't give out numbers because we really don't know. There was just estimate numbers of, of uh, deaths and injuries. Did you get here using a physical time machine, or did you come through some sort of wormhole? Well, How, in other words, by what means did you come to this time, and why? Okay, there are things around the planet that people now are calling vortexes or vortices, right. uh, such as in uh, Sedona and few places in California. Um, by the year 2055, uh, there's been a major breakthrough uh, explaining these forces, and mankind has learned how to use those for time travel, both uh, going forward and going past. Well, now, that is very interesting, because I interviewed uh, a very well-respected physicist named Michio Kaku not long ago, who said that is exactly the way we would learn to travel in time. Yes, and it works out very well, and you, you, don't you don't have to have the equipment at your destination. Now, when I left in 2072, um, there's equipment set up at these vortices in Sedona and other places around the world. Yeah. Now, when I go through that and come to this time, I just pop out in the middle of the, of the desert in, in the case of Sedona. I've always wondered about that. How are you able to be sure that you don't pop here inside a mountain or a building or concrete or something awful like that? Well, because we can go back to maps of the 20th century, and actually even earlier than that, we've got them archived on uh, computer disks, um, uh, and we know exactly where we can and cannot pop out. Uh, so at least I know we still use computers, huh? We do use computers, though you're, it'll blow your mind, the media that we'll be using <laughs> at that time. No, it, it wouldn't blow my mind at all. You buy a computer today, and it's out of date now in yeah, about three or all four I months. All I can say anyway. is virtual reality is only the beginning. So it's going to be an interesting time, and there's going to be a gigantic event around the turn of the century, a serious event. Yeah, the turn of the century is going to be rough, but uh, mankind makes it through it. We do have some assistance from... How shall I say? Elsewhere. Elsewhere. Others. Uh, yes. And after that event, uh, things like racism, uh, those kind of issues will no longer be around because not only will be we have to learn to, to live with people of different color, we're going to have to learn to live with beings who are not human. And uh, this this event, these series of events that occur around the turn of the century, is kind of a purging or a cleansing event and uh, the people that uh, that make it through that become a better species of people are you going to stay and go through this period with us or are when things get rough 
are you going to get going? I got to be honest with you, Art. I'm out of here. I uh, I have I I'm going to be a chicken and run. I'm not going to stay and go through that with you. Would it be possible for somebody uh, like myself, for example, uh, who wants to avoid what's coming, to um, uh, get a ticket to ride, so to speak, with you? No, because there again, then you come up with a paradox issue. Paradox. You have a certain destiny you're meant to fulfill, and if you leave prematurely, <sighs> that creates the paradox. I understand. But uh, there are certain people that that can leave. Um... Let me see if I can ask this. Okay. Do you know offhand whether I make it? I I can't answer that because that might alter Paradox. the way you live your life. I've got things. it. All right. Well, you've been uh, a very, very interesting caller, and, and I hope you will call again. I will do so. All right. Thank Take you very care, much. Art. Take okay. care. There is a future Area 51 employer, present uh, employee, present time traveler. I don't know. He sounded pretty good, huh? Hmm. I've got to give him a good seven or eight, maybe even better than an eight on a scale of ten. What do you think? East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Hello there. Yes, uh, hello. Tur turn your radio off, please. That's the first thing you got to do when you get on the air. Got it, got it, got it. All right, good. Where are you? Uh, Boynton Beach, Florida. Okay. Glad to have you. Is this Art? Uh, it is. Oh, I'm sorry, Art. No, I was just uh, I was just listening. I just got on uh, on my computer and I'm listening to your to your show right now through through the computer. Okay. And uh, uh, you guys are talking about Area 51. In uh, I I grew up in Morocco. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of uh, in Morocco, North Africa, and um, I spent 16 years over there uh, with my parents. I'm going to North Africa next month. Egypt. Yeah. Right, I saw that on the uh, on your uh, on your web page. But anyway, uh, there's a place called Kanitra, which was a uh, United States uh, U.S. Navy base. And um, at the time, from 1961 until 1970, it was a United States Navy base. But after that, um, because Congress discovered that this base was there, uh, they decided to shut it down. And uh, the United States government never did. They kept it going, and they basically what they did, they just turned it over to the Royal Air Force. But the base in uh, in uh, Kenitra, uh was had a bunch of satellite dishes, and I'm talking like, if you, if you saw the movie Contact, I did. God, I love that movie. You're talking about dishes that were lined up for probably I would probably probably say about thirty dishes, and that's in Morocco, Kenitra. Well, when you do that, uh, what you saw in contact was accurate. In other words, you can put up a field of dishes, right. and uh, each one gives you about a 3 dB gain, and a more, and it, it creates a narrower beam width, so you can listen uh, to more distant, weaker signals. That's how it works, and contact was accurate in that regard. Okay, and but not only was there about 30 dishes in Kenitra, yeah. There's another town which is like a, a little uh, a village, and uh, it was probably about 60 miles away from uh, Kenitra. Kenitra is north of Rabat, Morocco. Uh, it's called City Yaya, and they had another 30 dishes there. Now, why would the United States government or the United States Navy have all these dishes? Uh, they did at one point. My father was telling me uh, back in 19, uh, 1970 during the Apollo missions that these dishes relayed. The, uh, the Apollo missions. 
All right, well, that's that would be definitely one use. That's one use, but what's the other use? Listening. Those dishes in Morocco. <laughs> listening for whatever might be out there, just as they did in contact, and as uh, SETI now does. Remember in contact they were using the one at uh, Arecibo. Right, I remember that. But uh, the the base right now, they're, uh, it, it's actually still in operation under the Moroccan government, but there are Americans there. Okay, uh, so what is it you're telling us, that our American government is still in Morocco doing something that relates to deep space? To deep space. And uh, my father's retired now, but uh, he he's telling me this, and I, and I do know that because I was talking to, uh, I don't know if you remember at the time, it was... Uh, Alexander Haig, he was uh, the Supreme Commander of NATO back in 1981, if I'm correct. That's the, I'm in charge now at the White House, Alexander Haig, right? Yes, yes. That's, that's the guy. Yeah. And uh, he was talking about, because they had closed the base back in 1978, and he was talking to my father and asking him to go back to Canitra and see if we, you know, whatever, you know, I, I really am not sure, and I guess I'm not private of that conversation, but it was very interesting, and I was thinking of Area 51, being something so secretive, and Congress did not know about the base that is still run by American, the American military in, uh, in well, you're North Africa, okay. Morocco. You're raising a very good point. Thank you very much for a call. In other words, uh, it may well be that Area 51, the one adjacent to me, just over the mountain from me, is not the only place that we're doing this sort of thing. And North Africa would be a really spiffy place when you think about it to do something very secret. Because there are large open areas that could be closed off easily. And there wouldn't be a whole lot of tourist travel in those areas. Very interesting point. That our government may have secret things going on around the world, not just here. Fascinating. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Uh, hello. Yes, hi. Hi. Where, where are you? Uh, this is Boris, and I'm in Las Vegas. In Las Vegas? Yes. Just over the hill? Yes. All right. Yeah, I, I'm a first-time caller, and I finally got through. Sound like you're out of breath. <laughs> yeah, yes, I, 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 I figured out how, how to get through, uh, by, by, by clues, uh, what Mr. Fidget gave, gave me. <laughs> yeah. Well, alright, you're through, so what's on your mind? Oh, well, actually, I, I, I guess, the the, the, I guess the Mars Pathfinder mission. <laughs> uh, the, is, indeed, uh, Pathfinder has just, I guess, or is just now going into orbit around well, no, Mars. That, that's the Global uh, Observer. Yeah. Uh, Mars yeah, Observer. I'm just, yeah, I'm. I'm oh, oh, you're talking. I'm sorry, you're talking about Pathfinder, the little bug that runs around up there. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, what uh, What is it you have to say about it? Well, yeah, I've been doing so, some of my own uh, investigation by. Basically, downloading the the whole Mars Pathfinder site. Well, as you know, Richard Hoagland has seen everything from gyroscopes to bazookas to uh, 105 millimeter cannons to all kinds of things on Mars. Yeah. What have you seen? Well, I, I I've I've definitely seen a lot of pyramidal shaped things, and and looking at the pictures Rich, Rich, Richard Hoagland has put on his website, I found some other similar pictures to that. So you're you're essentially backing up what Richard says. Yeah, and, and he I, thinks I, we've landed right in the middle of a debris field, essentially, of a previous civilization. Yeah, yeah. It, you it, think it, that's right? 
Yeah, it looks looks like it. You know, there are a lot of people who think that we are Martians. <laughs> that the Martians don't laugh when the Martian that uh, on Mars. Mm-hmm. Uh, when their atmosphere was destroyed, or potentially was about to be destroyed, and there was once one there with water on Mars, and water means life, that uh, somehow somebody or something got off planet and, in effect, seeded Earth. Yeah, yeah, that. that well, I I sort of believe in multiple timelines, and you too, huh? And did you I hear my think... time caller a minute ago? <laughs> I. Uh, yes, I, I heard your time caller. And on a scale of ten, what did you think of his credibility? Somehow six comes into my mind. I six, don't know uh, why. Only a six? Yeah. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah. I've had worse, believe me. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, uh, thank you very much for the call from Las Vegas. Uh, not a lot of time before the top of the hour. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello? No, you're not. That person just missed it. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. CT in San Mateo, California. Yes, sir. And I think it's preposterous for that time traveler to presume that Earthlings would be able to get along with people from other planets. When they can't even get along with uh, different racial uh, groups and ethnic and religious groups on planet Earth now. Absolutely. Yeah, but you forgot one important thing. He said there was going to be some event that would so change human beings that they would suddenly be able to get along with others. I can't imagine what that would be. I can't imagine the the enormity of an event like that. And I'm, I'm from the school... Nobody nobody cooperated when Rodney King asked that we all get along, so... I'm from the school that believes that the races that we have here on this planet are from other planets, and we don't get along. So that's that's my my uh, my assumption for tonight. Thank no, you. I, I, well, wait wait a minute. Where where are you calling from, by the way? San Mateo. I've, that's yeah, right. You said that. I always thought that if a saucer came down, little green guys got off and started down the ramp. Before they got to the bottom of the ramp, they, they would be so full of lead, so full of lead, they wouldn't be able to walk. I, I, I can't see why would they, they would want to come here. I mean, with people with the tech... In other words, you, you, you would look down at the present uh, re- relationship between the races and so forth on Earth and say... I'd cry. Let's skip this one, folks. On to the next planet that is green. Hey, thanks, Art. All right, take care. That's it. Uh, we're going to break here at the top of the hour. See what's new in the world? I suspect not very much. There's not much new under the sun these days, is there? And we will continue. Don't forget, my my first-time caller line is not that tonight. It is an Area 51 employee sing-song line at 702-727-1222. This is Coast to Coast AM. Stay tuned for more of the best of Art Bell. Join tonight's encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Remember, although you cannot call in right now, you can send a fax. 
The number is area code 702-727-8499. That's area code 702-727-8499. If you want to mail Art a letter, his address is P.O. Box 4755, Pahrumpf, Nevada, P-A-H-R-U-M-P, zip code 89041-4755. If you're interested in purchasing a tape of one of Art's past interviews or subscribing to his After Dark newsletter, the toll-free order line is 1-800-917-4278. That's 1-800-917-4278. And now, enjoy this encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. It is, and I'm glad to be here. If you missed the first hour, Danian Brinkley called from his hospital bed. We talked to him for an hour, whole hour. And he is doing better all the time. A little groggy, but as you might expect under the conditions. But he's doing better, and all things going well. He may be out of the hospital in another week. So we did that in the first hour. Second hour, we began taking Area 51 calls. I didn't do it last night, so I'm doing it tonight. If you're an Area 51 employee, past or present, (laughs) we even have one in the future, you're welcome to call our special line, which is area code 702-727-1222. And another person I would love to hear from briefly is Stan Dale in Perth, Australia. Stan, if you're uh, listening this morning in Australia... Call me, and let's get an update on this El Nino business. I've, you know, there's so much on it now, and it appears to be ever-increasing. Uh, so I'd like to get your look at the latest uh, map, or have you tell us about the latest map and what you're seeing. Stan, as you know, told us this was coming many months before the climatologist decided it was coming. So he's a good guy to listen to in that respect. Incidentally, I've got a mysterious visitor in my studio. And if anybody out there can guess who it is before the show ends, you'll win some sort of cheap prize. (laughs) Now, how are you going to guess? Well, you can actually see him on the studio cam. We've got a studio cam, you know. And every now and then it clicks a picture and sends it to the web. So you might get a look if you do try and guess who it is. A mysterious, I rarely, rarely have visitors ever in the studio, as you know. So if you can guess who it is, um, well, you probably don't win anything except my eternal respect for having guessed the impossible. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi, Art. Hello. Glad to get through. I'm glad you got through. Where are you? I'm in Ohio, Yellow Springs, Ohio. Okay. Um, first of all, I was shocked when you let the, the, the first um, Area 51 guy get away, but he said... Well, look, I couldn't... I, I, I talked to the guy for almost half an hour. Right? Yeah. Seems so short. Well, I know. Well, he said something about Lulianos and and that Reagan had mentioned this. Yeah, eighty six would have been. No, I said that. Do you remember Ronald Reagan when he was in office? Several times he said, "If we had some sort of common enemy from space, for example, that we as a planet would get together to to fight." I do remember this. This common enemy. He said that a number of times, and it was about 1986. But he didn't mention Lulianus. Who... No, no. Oh, okay. Okay. okay and the other thing, the 2072 caller. Yeah. He said just before he he signed off that certain people would be allowed to leave. Yeah, but apparently I'm not one of them. Well, 
Well, I know, but it'd be interesting to know who they are. I mean, maybe they're 144,000. Well, I'll ask him next time. Okay. All right? Thanks, Art. Right. Thank you Bye. very much for the call. Uh, take care. L dare we go back on my uh, Area 51 line? You're on the air. Hello. Yeah, you got some uh, less incredible people <laughs> talking to you earlier. I've got some what? Less incredible people talking to you earlier. Are you one of them? Uh, no. I'll tell you what, though. You are not an Area 51 employee? Um. Here's how you find out. Ask them how they pay for their meals. Ask them what color the second door is. They go in and ask them how they get there. You are an Area 51 employee. Well, that remains to be seen. Just uh, ask them those three questions. They're rather unique. All right, roll over those again. How they pay for the me meals is one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the color of the second door? Mm-hmm. Uh, the trouble is that I'm not going to know. I mean, how am I going to know? I'll tell you off the air if you like. Well, I, I, don't, I can't do it off the air. Okay. Uh, all right. What was the third thing? It was the color of the first and second door? No, the color of the second door. Second door. And what else? How they pay for their meals. Yeah, I got those two. And what else? How they get there. Oh, how they get there. Mm -hmm. Well, I know one way they get there. They get there by bus. Some fly. Right? Also ask them... Um, what they do with the trash? Uh, they probably drop it down a big hole where it enters our water table and we drink it. <laughs> you are an Area 51 employee, aren't you? Come on, own up to it. I'm afraid I can't do that. Have a good evening. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, he was a real McCoy, you could tell. <laughs> Well, all right, future Area 51 employees, I now have three critical questions to which I don't have the, se the real answer, so you could lie your tail ends off to me and I wouldn't know. Hmm. Use for the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. 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 Yes, turn your radio off, please. Got it off. Okay, you're actually on the air. Where are you calling from? Des Moines, Iowa. Des Moines, Iowa. All yeah. right. The nation's heartland. There you go, right in the middle of it. So what do you think of these guys so far? Uh... Pretty far out. <laughs> but I have some questions regarding uh, a previous show. Uh, All right. Which one? It was the one about us uh, never going to the moon. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. The debate. The, the great, debate. The great debate. Who am I talking to? Who do you suppose you're Mr. talking to? I'm the only one. Well, actually, I do have someone else here, but I'm normally the only one here. Okay. So I'm the only one you could talk to. Uh, the debate between Collier and Hoagland. Collier? I was. Who's the one that was... Uh, no, the, I, well, I thought his name was James, and the other guy said he was... James Collier and okay. Richard Hoagland. Hoagland. Yes, H-O-A-G-L-A-N-D, Hoagland. Okay, well, Hoagland was the man that was uh, supposedly uh, the uh, co-announcer as we landed on the moon, is that correct? Uh, he worked for Walter Cronkite, that's right. And he was, yeah, right, he was uh, the co-announcer, is that correct? Um, no, he was a science advisor to Walter Cronkite. Oh, he, okay. He, but he was right there. Well, let me tell you what happened to me. I was living in Southern California about the time we landed on the moon there. And I was uh, uh, watching it pretty closely, and I come home from work one day, and I was watching the TV, and I thought we'd already landed because of the uh, mock-up that they had. How do you know the whole thing wasn't done in Burbank right there by you? Well, uh, I, <laughs> to tell you the truth, I, I believe it was. Oh, I see. All right, go ahead. I'll tell you what happened. So they get around to the to the guy to the the modular going down the moon and the man getting out one small step for man and all that garbage, right? Yep. 
It wasn't garbage. Well, it is in my opinion because uh, the camera came down and the camera started to uh, pan to the uh, to the left, and uh, all of a sudden there's this rock laying there. Yeah. And I, I didn't listen to the whole program, and I didn't hear if this was mentioned or not. What's the matter with there being a rock on the moon? Okay, well, on this rock was a uh, precisely carved Roman numeral. Now, that I missed. Okay, now, I don't know if that was on the program or not, but I was just, I was flabbergasted. Well, of course, I would be, too. Do you have a, do you, did you save that videotape? Did I save that videotape? Yep. In 1960. Yeah, nine? that's true. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I don't even think VCRs were out there. Oh, uh, you're abs- well. You know, at least I didn't have one. Right, I understand. But so, so the two announcers are talking, right? And this, and the other announcer says, uh, "Look at that Roman numeral." Look at no, he says, "What <laughs> is that rock?" Uh-huh. And then the screen went blank. Uh-huh. Went off the air. And well, we- all right. Here's something for you to contemplate. Let's huh? let's just say, for the sake of argument, the whole thing was done. On a sound stage, all right, a video stage. Uh huh. Why would they put something stupid like a rock with a Roman numeral on it if they were trying to fake the whole thing? Exactly. What What do you mean exactly? Why would they? They wouldn't. But you're saying they did. But I'm saying it was there. I well, I mean, I know what I seen. Okay, you know, I mean, I'm watching the guy get down out of the out of the landing craft, one small step for man, it pans over, there's a rock with a Roman numeral on it. And one giant conspiracy for mankind, right? And one giant conspiracy for mankind. <laughs> but the number on the rock, and it was just a flash, you know, yeah. and I think it was either a uh, uh, 13 or a 17. I can't remember what. I don't know if there's any significance to that. I don't but, either. But this has bugged me for, well, ever since it happened. All right. Well, I, next time I get Richard Hoagland on, I will ask him specifically about that, all right? Okay. All right. Got another one for you real quick. Real quick, because we're about out of time. Okay. Uh, the Men in Black. Yes. Uh, when I was in service in 68, uh, I was stationed at Fort Meade, Maryland. It's, a, it's got a very large forest area in it. Yeah. And uh, one Sunday morning, a, a guy come up with a new car. He had a little Austin Healy Sprite, and he grabbed me and a partner, and we're going to go out and we're going to take a ride in it. And uh, I set up on the back. You know, on the over looking out over the uh, over the windshield, we took a ride down here in the forest. And we went for you know quite a while, quite a ways, and uh, got a hurry. I asked him if he'd uh, you know told the guy, well, we better turn around and go back. And as he uh, hung the left and started to go down this road, we come into a clearing. And what I what we ran into was there was right in the middle of this clearing was a a, a, a triangular shaped kind of a glass looking object. Oh my! It was kind of a laser shooting up just above the. Uh, Above the tree line, yeah. and I was sitting up on the black uh, on the back, and I could see it all. When this guy came down in the clearing, he made a U-turn real quick, kind of did a fishtail. This would be our MIB, I presume. Uh, and, uh no, the guy that I was riding with. And as we made this fishtail, we could see three people kind of uh, along the perimeter there, uh, reaching into their into the side of their coat pockets, like reaching for a gun and stuff. Yeah. And uh, never really dawned on me till recently that uh, and I heard this man in black, but all those guys were in black. And that was the weirdest light I've ever seen in my life. And this is like in 1968. Oh, you're lucky to be alive to tell the story now. Probably. But I was really, uh, what's really got me is I was just wondering if you got any listeners anywhere that's ever seen that that rock or seen anything or heard anything about it. Because that's blown my mind ever since I've seen it. You know the, all those lumpy things you see out in the desert? Yeah. People like you. <laughs> I got to go, sir.
Thank you. Thank you very much for the call. And by the way, I want to make an announcement. I've got a big announcement. I forgot to make it. Tomorrow night scheduled is probably the real thing. James Von Prague. I, I talked to Daniel extensively about James Von Prague, and I know a lot of you have been waiting for him. He'll be here tomorrow night at the beginning of the show. And now I've got a really big announcement. Next week, on Friday uh, night, Saturday morning, the 19th, this one you've been waiting for, Gordon Michael Scallion is going to be here. And I am going to read you, let me see how much can I read you of what he sent me. Um, a little bit, anyway. All right? I'll read you a little bit of what Gordon... Gordon has essentially been underground for a year. And there's a reason for that. It's basically his health. He'll be here in the first hour. And we'll see how long he can spend. But, boy, does he have news for you. Dear Art, Gordon writes, you will find a copy of my new book, Notes from the Cosmos, a futurist insight into the world of dream prophecy and intuition. I think you'll find the chapter on the awakening to be the most interesting and a subject that both you and I have discussed with regard to the similarities in our viewpoints. I've appreciated your ongoing support of my work and your desire to have me appear on your show. Again, during the past year, I've been trying to restore my vitality and complete my book prior to the great changes that I see on the doorstep here in just a few months. I now feel I have something of value to share with your listeners dealing with the activities that are now going on in Montserrat, as well as the phenomenal ocean temperature rise globally. Part of me is totally amazed the world is not focusing on the real cause of the current El Nino, because in my opinion it is much more than El Nino. In my opinion, we are very close to global cataclysmic events. While some might say that the current weather changes are indeed that, I see these as only precursors to a shift in the magnetic field of the Earth as well as disruption of the tectonic plate system. Gordon Michael Scallion, the 19th or 20th, depending on your time zone, and I know a lot of you have been waiting for that, so I just booked him uh, yesterday. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. Hello. Turn off thy radio, please. It's on its way down. Good. Where are you? I'm in Alaska. Alaska? Where? Um, well, I'm in Palmer now. Palmer. All right. Well, you know, I was just in Anchorage. Yeah, I know you were. Um, are, were you born before 1953? I was born in I was born June seventeenth, nineteen forty five, on Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. Okay. The reason I ask is I grew up in Colorado. My father worked for a packaging corporation that took recycled paper and made boxes. Way back then? Way back then. I didn't know we recycled that long. We ago. we recycled we years and years ago. People don't realize that we recycled. Okay. Anyway, do you know what ent is? That would be e n t. Yes. No. Ent is a military base in buried in the mountains in Colorado, and it's a nuclear safe. You know, one of those dug way deep in the ground. Yes. 
in, I'm not sure, probably... A hardened site. Yes. In 1960, early 60s, maybe 61, 62, mm -hmm. I was a young boy, 9, 10 years old, mm -hmm. and my dad came home from work with uh, a book on flying saucers. Yes. Ant had brought a bunch of paper to be destroyed uh, because they didn't want it out in the public's hands. And your dad brought it home? And my dad brought one home. Not supposed to do that, you know. And I thumbed through this thing for months, fascinated at the hundreds and hundreds of uh, official spaceship or reports. Yeah, so what have you done with all of this documentation? Um, you know, I don't know what happened to the book. Um, I'm sure that my brother looked through it. I don't know what my dad did with the book. And uh, and your show has just brought this book back to Boy, me. Boy, I sure would like to lay my hands on it. Um, I'm telling you, it would be an amazing piece of paper. And I don't know that, you know, if anybody else has... Is uh, your dad still alive? My dad is still alive. Why don't you go to him... And ask him. You're doggone right. Yeah. And if he still has that book, uh, you and I need to talk privately. Mm-hmm. You think you could arrange that? I will I will call him and, and ask him if... All right. If you can lay your hands on it, mm -hmm. you either fax me or write me or email me or get to me somehow privately, and we'll set something up, all right? Okay. All right. Thank you, my friend. You, you take care. Ooh. I'd like to lay my hands on that. Wouldn't that be neat? We're going to take a break here at the bottom of the hour. Once again, come back and do I Have No Idea What. Now, don't touch that dial. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind. He was willing to make a deal. But he came across this young man sawing on a fiddle and playing it hot. And the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, Boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul, because I think I'm better than you. The boy said, my name's Johnny, and it might be a sin. But I'll take your bet, you're going to regret, because I'm the best as ever been. Johnny, you're awesome, you're a boy, and play your fiddle hard. If you've missed any part of tonight's program and you'd like to have a copy on tape, dial toll-free 1-800-917-4278. That number is 1-800-917-4278. And now, back to the best of Art Bell. Remember now, I have one line set aside only for Area 51 employees. And by the way, I don't know about the earlier ones. They were pretty good. But this last guy, I'll bet you, I'll bet you he was a real thing. That's just my own call. At any rate, uh, if you're an Area 51 employee, past or present, and wish to sing and tell us what it's all about, this area just over the hill from me, I've got one line set aside for only that, area code 702-727-1222. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Well, a pleasant good morning to you. Where Oklahoma. are you? Oklahoma. Oklahoma, huh? Yes, sir. All right. Um, 
That's something for your consideration. Okay. In the past, you have uh, shared with us listeners, and you and I discussed this one night over the air, uh, if some really big catastrophe should happen, say, coming in from outer space. Yes. That you'd do as Paul Harvey and make a traveling mic and go out and... I absolutely would. As a matter of fact, I should tell you that I now have the microphone to do that. I've got a permanent outside microphone that I'm about to mount. It was sent to me by some very nice listener, a very professional outfit. But, yes, in other words, if an asteroid was coming in or something, sure, what the hell. I'd go outside, take the microphone, and talk that sucker in. Why not? Well, here's something for you to consider. Hmm? Next Wednesday night, Thursday morning, the moon is going to occult Saturn. Which means? Which means it's going to pass in front of Saturn. Okay. So So far, that's not catastrophic. No. No, no, no. I, I hope. Say a tune-up to check your system out. It is quite an impressive Oh, you, you suggest that I would go out. Oh, how impressive. Those Saturn, I mean, you've got to have a good telescope to see that. No, no, no. You can see it through binoculars. Really? Uh, it doesn't. Now, when, when the moon occults a star, the star, like, winks out. I mean, it just... Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that's dramatic enough to justify going outside and, you know. Well, it's, take a look at it anyway. It's might be good practice. Size. Now, if we, had, if we had a big rock, say, about six miles wide, bearing down on us, uh -huh. now you're talking good reason for a remote and or the world broadcast. Well, yeah. What did you use this as a tune-up? As a tune-up. All right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll mull that over in my mind. Thank you. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Hi. I'm calling from Southern California. Yes, sir. And I'm happy to hear that uh, Danian's doing better. Well, uh, tentatively better, yes. That's good to hear. Um, we've had, uh, heard so much tonight about the people that have been trying to uncover the truth about the UFO uh, scenario, and I was wondering if it would be possible for you to get somebody from the other side. Somebody maybe somebody who wants somebody who wants to keep it secret. Exactly. Well, I I tried that. I did a Men in Black night. You know, I mean, they would be in that category, right? Mm-hmm. Did any? Um, I didn't hear the whole show. Did anybody call in on that? Uh, oh yeah, I got all kinds of Men in Black. And you know what I've got in front of me here? No. I've got a story. Now I have no way of knowing if it's true. It comes from the News Gateway, a News Gateway article. Breaking news. It says this just in. A reporter friend who works for a local newspaper just called and told me that two men in black have been captured after breaking and entering the house of a local ufologist tonight. Apparently, a neighbor saw the men approach the house and called the police. Police arrived quickly. The two men were still inside. Needless to say, the police captured them and arrested them. When the ufologist returned home and was told the story, he, of course, immediately realized it was a case of MIBs, attempting to find out what he knows. And, of course, he called the local police and explained all this and tried to encourage them to investigate these two men fully. But immediately the conspiracy went into full alert and began to, uh, they began to create a cover story. You know how that works. Mm -hmm. And uh, they did background checks and found both men, it turns out, are experienced jewel thieves and both have police records. They were trying to get the jewels from the house um, of, of the well-to-do ufologist and his wife. But the ufologist was not to be fooled. You know how shrewd they can be. Explained to the police, this is an obvious cover story, and these were MIBs, and this was possibly one of the biggest breaks in UFO history. But, as you might imagine, 
Uh, even though the two MIBs are still in the slammer, the cover story is working. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Who would you suggest I would have on? Well, obviously the person that we'd most want to talk to would not uh, come forward with their name. So it would uh, seem like it would have to be somebody that uh, wanted to speak anonymously. And, uh, well, I've got somebody like that who, um, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, thank you very much. Let me, there's this guy who claimed that he was inside Area 51, a worker in, in Area 51, and he sent me several messages over a period of about three days and then stopped, and I'm waiting to hear from him. Um, I don't know why he stopped. We did post his letter on the Internet. Now, that might have scared him off. I didn't know that was going to be posted. Apparently, he sent or somebody sent a copy of that letter to Keith. It certainly was not me, and Keith posted it. Now, maybe that scared him off. I don't know. But he has now disappeared. Now, hopefully, he didn't come to any harm. But we, we, we will have that man on the air if he ever gets in touch with me for real. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. Uh, my name's Rich. I'm from Flagstaff. Yes, sir. Hey. Um, congratulations on your your book seller thing. Oh, I'm kind of proud of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, I just wanted to call because I'm a dream traveler. I've been one for a few years, and and uh, I had this dream a couple of years ago that listening to Richard C. Hoagland and you talking kind of tripped me out. <laughs> That'll do it, all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was it a regular dream or a nightmare? Uh, no, it was actually really, really cool. Um, hmm. It's uh, some dreams, you know, are just they aren't all that powerful. But this one was—it uh, wasn't lucid, but it was—it felt like I was out of my body. Uh -huh. And uh, I've had several out-of-body experiences myself, listening to Richard. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah, listening to you guys is, is always really nice. I've—I've you know, I've actually felt myself float to the ceiling and look down, <laughs> and 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 I was. It was one of those frustrating moments with Richard when you're trying to ask a second-level question and he's not giving you a second-level answer. Right. a first-level answer. <laughs> and he keeps going and going and going. <laughs> 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 well, my dream started, um, I was in my bed, and, and I, kinda, I got pulled out of my body by aliens, actually. And they kind of looked like E.T., which is, is kind of weird. They looked, they were short and they had long necks and and the kind of ET-shaped head. And the, this is the weird part. They took me to this planet that they said was where the asteroid belt is now, beyond Mars. Xenon. Yeah. They said that um, they took me there, and they took me back in the past. And uh, there were all these cities all over the place, and they were showing me. It was really overwhelming because they gave me, like, all this history and stuff. And, of course, I don't remember any of that because it was... It was just like information overload, but right. Um, they gave me all this information and, and showed me their history and all this stuff, and and they told me that um, there were there was life on Mars and on this planet, and that there was a war between these two planets, and um, oh. they developed this technology and all this stuff, and I guess the people on Mars were really really aggressive, and um, and the only reason that the people on this other planet had to develop any weapons at all was to defend themselves against these people on Mars. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, the people on Mars developed something that could actually blow up a planet. <laughs> and Boy, you do have dreams, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and uh, 
it you know escalated and escalated and uh, kaboom, <laughs> planet gone. Uh, and I'm not exactly sure what happened to Mars, but obviously something, <laughs> something bad. And and um, it, the people that some people got away and from both planets and supposedly came here, and they didn't really tell me what happened then. But then. And I was just kind of sitting there on the planet going, well, okay, how do I get back <laughs> to my place? You know, I was kind of in the past. On That's the, the part going, that I have always worried about, getting back. Yeah, and I was a little worried. And Not only were you in another place, but you were in another time. Another time, yeah. And Albert Taylor the other day warned about that. Yeah. He said, That's hard. Exactly, and I was, I was a little worried. And they said, Well, don't worry. Just, they, they told me to look at these three stars and to stare at them and to focus all my energy on them. And, of course, I don't remember what star they are, uh, but um, I did that, and after a few minutes... Nothing um, about clicking your heels three times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's for the three stars. <laughs> but uh, Anyway, you got home. Yeah, well, what happened was when I focused on these three stars, this kind of gateway opened, and it was like kind of like a wormhole. Kind of like in... Oh, just like in contact. Yeah, very much so. And back you came. All right, yeah, listen, i, I got to run. We're out of time. Okay. All right, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. That's a hell of a dream. That's a hell of a dream. We'll be right back. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind. He was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man sewing on the fiddle and playing it hot... And the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player, too. And if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now, you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul because I think I'm better than you. The boy said, my name's Johnny, and it might be a sin. Where are you? I am in Flint, Michigan. All right. Flint. Yes, sir. Um... You brought up the subject earlier about the suitcase bomb. Yes, a one kiloton suitcase bomb nuke. The only possible use I could think that any moron would have for that, other than terrorism, is tearing it apart so they could make more. I kind of, the only thing I could come up with was to start it going, you know, and then sort of play a personal game of chicken and see if you could press the cancel button, you know, like two or three seconds before it was going to go. <laughs> I, I heard that. But with my luck, you know, the phone would ring or something. <laughs> divert my attention. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, Perump. <laughs> um, so what was that you were saying about morons now? Uh, other uses? The only possible use I could think other than terrorism, is to advance your terroristic uh, well, aim, whatever well, that, that may be, by actually, actually taking the thing apart to make more. Oh, I see. Uh, to replicate it. Yes, I suppose there would be that. But I, I would think that would be a nervous thing, too. You know, cutting wires and disassembling a nuclear device. There's a lot of small countries who really don't have a nuclear program. So you well, there's there's a profit motive. Now, you could turn around and resell it to some small country somewhere, mm-hmm. Peru, for example. They'd probably like to have a nuke. Uh, oh, Castro! Oh. Now think what Castro would pay for a nuke. Boy, those are wonderful thoughts, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Trouble is, we all know who he'd use it against. 
I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to give it some thought. There's got to be a use. There's a hundred of them, it's reported out there. Uh, we'll think of something. I, I appreciate your call, sir. Yeah. On my Area 51 line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Yes. Hi. Um, I, I, I don't have a whole lot of uh, time. Um, well, look, let's begin yeah. by finding out whether you're using this line properly or not. Uh, area 51. Yeah, um, that's right. Were you an employee or are you now? Uh, I, a former employee. Former um, employee. I, I, I was let go on a medical discharge about a week ago, and and <laughs> I, I've kind of been running a, across the country. Um, oh man, I don't know where to start. They're they're uh, they're, they're going to. Um, they'll triangulate on this position really, really soon. So um, you can't spend a lot of time on the phone. So give us t something quick. Okay. Um, um, okay. What what we're thinking of as as aliens are they're uh, they're they're extra dimensional beings that an earlier precursor of the um, space program made contact with. Uh, they they are not what they claim to be. Uh, they have infiltrated a lot of uh, uh, a lot of aspects of, of of the military establishment, particularly the Area 51. Uh, the, the disasters that are coming. They the, the military. I'm sorry. The, the government knows about them. And there's a lot of safe areas in this world that they could begin moving the population to now, Art. But they're not doing, they're not doing anything. They are not. They want the major population centers wiped out so that the, the few that are left will be more easily controllable. Discharged. Uh, I, I started getting Well, this was certainly interesting. We are now on a backup system, everybody. A backup system. And uh, that one caller that I had on the air... <laughs> I guess we were about in the middle of his transmission, his telephone call, which was a, one of the strangest ones I've ever had, and the entire transmitting system by satellite went down here, and we were notified we were off the air, and it would appear to be from this end, and some sort of uh, massive transmit failure, so we are now using a backup system to be on the air, and not that I would normally believe this kind of thing, mind you, but... I can't help but wonder if somebody, somebody zapped us in some way. Uh, we'll find out. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Our bell? Yes. Uh, what just happened there with the transmission? Oh, well, what happened is the transmitter uh, here blew its cookies uh, in some way. Something knocked us off the air, and we're on a backup system now. It's uh, the government or... I don't know. It has to be something, though. Well, did you hear... Now, you tell me, because you were listening. That was awful strange. There was a really weird guy on the air when it went off? Yeah. Real weird out. Like uh, going sort of sort of sounding paranoid, yeah. schizophrenic? Like crying and everything. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And how far into the conversation was it when when it went off? Just a couple, about 15, 20 seconds, I'd say. Oh, you like you guys missed, you really missed a call then, and I've got a feeling somebody didn't want you to hear it. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it was really strange. All of a sudden, I'm hearing Mark Furman, and when I when that's I was right. Well, the network to... the network, of course, went immediately to a backup tape while we tried to figure out what blew up here. Uh huh. So that's what you heard happen. Uh huh. And then we're now on a backup link system. Uh huh. Uh, to be on the air at all right now. So, well, I'm telling you. It's, Am I on the air right now? You're on the air right now. Well, you All better right. be, yes. <laughs> and uh, Where are you, by the way? I'm in Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, I called the other night, and uh, I wanted to ask two things. Real quick. Well, I wanted to say one thing, and I wanted to ask another. Real quick. I wanted to ask if you could play that um, remote viewing uh, one when you were in, while you go to Egypt. Yes. And also, I wanted to know... Uh, uh, all this uh, stuff about, like, uh, Area 51, if it's, like, the government's trying to put it out there like that, so, like, some other place isn't being watched as much. In other words, it's a big decoy. I see what you're saying. All right, thank you very much. Apparently, we are back on the air, and apparently we'll be back after the news, I think. Stay tuned for more of the absolute best of Art Bell, right after a word from your local sponsors. From the Kingdom of Nye, Coast to Coast AM continues with Art Bell. Well, let me tell you what a very, very interesting uh, turn of events. Right in the middle of a very, very strange, one of the strangest calls I've ever had, we apparently lost all transmit capability on this end, here in Nevada. The transmitter went belly up suddenly for some unknown reason. I've never seen it do this in all the years, all the years that we've been on the air. I have never seen the transmitter in this way just simply fail, a massively fail, like a massive heart attack of some kind. And so we have gone to a backup system to get the signal to you right now, and I presume it is getting to you right now. Totally bizarre, folks, totally bizarre. So I presume that you got to hear uh, whatever they grabbed quickly, which I believe in this case was a bit of the Mark Furman interview. Must have seemed a bit out of context, I would say. Good interview, but you had to hear it in context. All right, well, we will continue on with the backup system and go to work on the primary system. This is why we have backup systems. I'll tell you, live radio is weird stuff, folks. Anything can happen, and this is uh, another perfect example of that. On the run, trying to get things done in a five-hour program, anything can occur, and we have had... My, my transmitter has had a, an apparent massive heart attack <laughs> or something happened to it or something uh, somebody did something to it and I will not mention the alternative means we're doing to get uh, uh, accomplishing to get a signal up there right now or to the network let me put it that way but uh, pretty weird and it certainly occurred at a pretty weird time west of the Rockies you're on the air hi hi Art Bell yes turn, turn your radio down please Turn it off. 
There you go. Thank you. Where are you? This is Barbara in Kingman, Arizona. Hi, Barbara. I, my husband and I have a question about that uh, interruption you had and also about uh, Dannon. Yes. And, All right, uh, the interruption first. What do you want to know? Okay. Um, was that person flipped out or... Sounded flipped out to me. Yeah, but did it have anything? Did it now? Did it have anything to do with our failure? It was a. I must admit, of all the times that it would go out, that was a pretty weird time. Yes, uh, Art. This is uh, uh, Mark, uh, her husband. Yes. And uh, our phones went dead. Your phones went dead. Yes. At that same time. At that same time. Where are you? We're in Kingman, Arizona. Kingman. Uh, and your phones. We're on the other side of Area 51. So your um, your phones are now restored, obviously, because you're talking to me. Right. And uh, that sounded uh, very... Uh, Can I ask you a question? Yes. When it went off, what were you hearing? I was hearing the, uh, I was hearing the man uh, talking, and he sounded like he was almost in tears. Yeah. And then I, hear, I heard it like a, a, a static interruption. And then you went off the air. It was just like zip. And then the phone went dead. <laughs> Too weird for me. Too weird for me. And you're telling me that your phone went dead at the same time. Yes. Okay. Okay. And uh, we, my wife and I, uh, we have uh, been uh, rock hounders, I guess you could say, uh, looking for gold and rocks and things like that. And we have been up near the Area 51. And uh, when we got, uh, <clears throat> we had passed over the Area 51 area where it says uh, no trespassing past this point. You're not supposed to go past that. Well, we did. And you probably met Wackenhut. Well, we met these people. Uh, Wackenhut Security is, they're, I think, the people that still take care of security up there, and they're, they're really efficient at what they do. Well, uh Yes, <laughs> they escorted us off the property. I, I'm even wondering how much more I should be talking about this tonight. And uh, they escorted us off the property with uh, automatic... Uh... Automatic weapons. Right. Yep, well, that's the way it's done. All right, sir, thank you very much for the call. <laughs> Dare I answer the line on my Area 51 line? You're on the air. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. How are you, Arn? Okay. Are you an Area 51 employee? At one time. In the past. In the past. Years ago. Can you talk? For a few minutes. Tell us what you can tell us. In other words, I, instead of my asking you questions, just tell us whatever you feel you can say without having something awful happen to you. Well, I've got myself fairly covered right now. Um... Uh, about your interruption with that last caller. Yes. I don't think you're going to hear from him again. I, I got that distinct impression. Now, you guys didn't hear the whole call because here's what was going on. Halfway through that call or somewhere through that call, I, I have no way of knowing, we apparently went off the air. The transmitter blew up or whatever happened happened. Yeah, you got and, a pulse. And, and uh, my hotline was ringing, so I don't know... When, at what point during that call we actually lost it, I don't know. Uh, 
He lost it. He was just starting to, like, cry. Yeah. And you, the whole thing just went dead. It was when he was... And then how long was it before you got to hear audio again? About two minutes. Two minutes. Yeah. Oh, man, I bet silence alarms went off everywhere all across the country. Okay, um, anyway, listen, why do you think we'll never hear from him again? Because he was on the phone too long. And he yeah, was right. I, you know, if you'd heard the end of the call, I, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell everybody right now. The end of the call, it got worse and worse. He was crying, and he screamed. He screamed, and the line went dead. And at that point, I, I think I went to another call, and I answered the hotline and found out we'd been blown off the air somehow. I've got a guest in the studio right now. He's confirming. He's shaking his head. Everything I'm telling, telling you is exactly true. This guy screamed, and the line went dead. I wish you could have heard the end of it. We I can imagine the end of it. You can? Oh, yeah. Very easily. I used to work uh, security problems for Site 51. Oh, you did? Yeah. I was one of the men they called to close gaps. Excuse me? Closed caps? Gaps. Gaps. Leaks. Leaks. Um, I am going to ask you a question. Okay. In the course of your work, doing that kind of uh, wet work, yes. were you ever, were you ever uh, required to, or did you ever have to take a life in the course of your duties? Don't let those silence alarms go off now. Okay. Uh, yes. Uh. Well, do you regret what you had to do? Do you do you rationalize in your mind what you had to do because of national national security, or how do you now feel about it? Do you carry guilt because of it, or what? Some, but. I believed in what I was doing. Yeah, I guess you would have to. You couldn't do it, could you? No. There came a time when I walked away. But when I was doing the work, I believed wholeheartedly. All right, listen, I don't want to keep you on the line too long. I learned one hard lesson tonight already. Okay? Yeah, well, like I said, I've got myself covered. Um, I hope that's so. You take care. You too. Right. Weird. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Yeah, Art, this is Vince in Chicago. Hi, Vince. Oh, that caller that, uh, when you had the blackout there, we heard about two minutes of it in Chicago, and, uh, it sounded, uh, pretty scary. It sounded like that guy was a little scared. And, uh, I know he A little met... scared? Uh, you should have heard the end of the call. I mean, I, I got to complete the call here. I really shouldn't say that. He screamed at the end, and the line went dead. And then everything went dead. Well, actually, it went dead before that. I just didn't know it. Yeah, we heard about two minutes of it, and it was, you know, there were some clicks in and out on, on somewhere in the transmission, like it was going dead a little bit. Then it was dead over here in Chicago for, oh, almost two minutes of dead air. And it sounded like he was really, uh, really losing it. And he mentioned, uh, that something is going to happen, and, uh, Yes. Somebody, no, no one's telling us what's going to happen. That's and right. 
what you want to tell us what he might have said at the end? Um, at the end, there was he was saying he was on the line too long. At the end, there was a scream and the line went dead. I'm just telling you what happened. And of course, at that point, my hotline was ringing. I was getting real busy because we were off the air. So. Uh, you know, the network was telling me we were off from this end. And so I was, at that point, uh, contacting people and trying to establish a backup system, and they were running a Mark Furman tape. And so that's where everything ended. I stopped listening and stopped functioning as I normally do at exactly that point. So That was a good call, and uh, that's one that might uh, have to be played again. Maybe I'd like to hear it again. Well, you know what? There, it can't be, you know, well, except for up to the point where the network lost it. Oh. In other words, I don't, as a matter of course, record here. The network records, but they could, they would have only recorded up to the point where it went dead. Now, I'll tell you this, I would like to hear it myself. Um, so when we get everything back to normal, I'm going to have the network play that back so I can hear it. Do you think it was <laughs> legitimate? Uh, you know... I really, at this moment, can't say I find it uh, rather strange that everything failed uh, uh, during that call. More, yeah, that was, more that was that was that was weird because I was uh, playing with my dial, wondering what happened if something was wrong with my radio. There was dead air for a good two minutes. Man, that's serious for WLS in Chicago. Two yeah, minutes of dead air. Uh, yeah, another thing. That first caller, the first Area 51 caller. It yes. seemed like that guy had a lot to say. I agree with you. I think he should call back again sometime. Well, I think he's got a lot to talk about. Well, we're hearing, we've had a lot of strange calls tonight. I should have done this a long time ago. All right, thank you. All right, Kevin, one more thing. Yeah. Um, the, the program with uh, Jim Collier debating Richard Hoagland about yes. whether we walked on the moon. Yes, yes. That, and I've been listening to you for about a year, and I think that was one of the best programs I ever heard. Well, they really went at each other. Uh, they really it, it, did. You know, it's funny. People had either a very positive or a very negative reaction to that program. Some people sent me emails that it was the worst thing they ever heard. No, I thought it was very hard-hitting and entertaining. Well, that's that's what it's all about. Thanks, Vince. Uh, take care. On my Area 51 line, you're on the air. Hi, yeah. I'm calling from uh, Rochester, New York. Where? Rochester. Rochester, New York. Yes. Are you an ex-Area 51 employee? No, I'm not. But I've got some valid points. Well, then you're going to have to make your valid points on another line. Now, this is a special line. Only Area 51 employees call this line. Uh, so contact me on one of the other lines. All right? Uh, All right. Thank you. See? You can't cheat. The rules are the rules. East of the Rockies, you're on there. Hi. Hello, Art. Your tonight's show is fascinating, of course. I'd like to suggest a possible... Open line for um, NASA employees for the secret NASA. NASA employees for the secret NASA. A NASA line, you mean? Right, for the um, you know, for the for the secret NASA that Richard speaks of, as opposed to the one that we all know about. You're absolutely right. That's a wonderful idea. A a NASA secret mission line. Right. I also had a question. You've given us some great movie reviews in the past, and what do you use your real talk for? You say you use yours every day. I use it for recording uh, other talk shows that are on the air when I'm on the air. Okay. So I can listen to my competition. competition. Right. Okay. I want to suggest that for the NASA line, though. All right. Take care. Uh, right. Bye. Now, that's what I use it for. I, I generally run it when I'm on the air. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Art. Yes. Good morning, sir. Good morning. I am. Uh, I have a couple of three points. First of all, I'm an audio engineer, and you might be interested to know that you're still having little burbles in your audio. 
Well, I'm sure it's because of the backup system. Anyway, this is Nick from uh, Oak Harbor, Washington. Yes, Nick. And I am near uh, Whidbey Naval Air Station here, and I worked on that base for almost seven years. Whidbey, yes. We have seen the uh, the silent craft that you've talked about, and also it's interesting. That, and I am near uh, Whidbey Naval Air Station here, and I worked on that base for almost seven years. Whidbey, yes. We have seen the uh, the silent craft that you've talked about. And also, it's interesting that they have areas here. Triangular where, craft, sir? Uh, the silent ones. I couldn't, uh, yes. Huh. My uh, wife and I, well, <laughs> it's a long story. Actually, I'm blind, but my wife saw them. We weren't more than uh, a couple, three hundred yards from them. So big... you're, you're relying then on her description, physical description? Y yes, but I was there to vouch that there was no noise. And um, she saw them very plainly for, oh, about two or three minutes. Boy, of all the times that it would be hard to be sightless, that would be one of them, huh? <laughs> I agree. It would be, uh, it would be, but another interesting, oh, first of all, may I say one thing about the caller that called between 11 and 11.30? Uh, which one? Uh, the, from Area 51? Yes. Uh, that was talking about the uh, Supreme Commandant or whatever that was. Oh, yes, yes, of course. You need to know that he was the same guy that called when you had that men in black line. Well, you know what? There are several people who have said that, and I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it at all. It could be true. And he was telling somewhat different, well, similar stories. Similar story. It could have been the same one. Yeah. It absolutely could have been the same one, but it could still be a valid call. But what's it's interesting about this naval air station up here, and I'll probably have somebody at my door in a few minutes for this, but uh, they have areas up here that uh, are posted, no photographs beyond this point. Yes, oh, yes. And many areas on the base that, of course, are more or less restricted. Well, some of that I understand. But when I worked there, they had this giant underground construction going on, humongous kind of earth movers and things in here. All underground? Yes, sir. What and, were they doing? And they denied it. They denied I mean, it. Well, this is so ridiculous you're not going to believe it, but it's the truth. When we would ask anybody out there, of course, they would deny that anything spectacular was being built, and yet we could see these huge earth movers. They're too big to miss. Uh, I, I'm an entertainer, so I didn't work directly with that, but I worked at the one of the clubs there, and every time they would scoop out a great big uh, scoop of earth, we could feel the whole club shake, you know, and they always denied that anything special was going on. What do, you, what do you think they were doing? I'm not sure, but I do know that there is some, uh, must be a rather large underground complex there, and whether it's a uh, safety, uh, you know, a hardened uh, site like they, you have in the mountains back there or what it is, I don't know for sure. But and how long ago was this? This would have been in 90, 90, 90 and 91. Okay. This project extended over some period of time. Well, I'd sure love to know what's down there, wouldn't you? Yes, sir. You take Certainly. care. Yeah, I, I appreciate you your call. Thank you. Thank you. Take Bye -bye. care. Whidbey Island, huh? Anybody else know about the diggings under Whidbey Island? What do you suppose we might be doing? 
Well, operating on a backup system, but we are still here. I'm Art Bell, and this is Coast to Coast AM. Back to the best of Art Bell. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Now again, here's Art. Well, now again, here I am. We remain, uh, ladies and gentlemen, on a backup system at this hour. Uh, the transmitter on this end, apparently having had a massive heart attack or stroke, I don't know, everything's out, literally everything's out. And to add to the mystery, I just got a fax and I just verified it. Last words heard were approximately, quote, major cities will be wiped out. They want this to better control the remaining population. And then I guess, according to this factor, that's where we went off the air. Then I got another fax a moment ago saying, Art, during that exact moment that you went off the air, the counter on the website jumped by about 300, and you went over 5 million. And I just checked it out. I'm on my own website right now, and he is exactly correct. We went over 5 million. Now, I wonder if I go to my own live studio cam, which is not live right now, what the last picture taken was um, before all of this began to happen. And I'm looking at it right now. Uh, here we are. Interesting. You can see me on a telephone, and you can see my mystery guest in the background. <laughs> before the program is over today, I will tell you uh, who he is. But you, you can see the moment of the catastrophic moment was captured in the last, um, the last studio live cam shot that we sent to the net. And you'll see me sort of panicked on the phone, and you'll see my guest making notes like crazy. Man, what a night. Broadcast. There's nothing like live broadcasting in the entire world. There's nothing like live broadcasting, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing. Now, I just talked to, uh, my boss at the network, Alan Corbett, and he said, you know, in 35 years of broadcasting, this is the weirdest event that I've ever heard. And I second that. There are presently engineers racing to the network, probably already there at this hour. And so it's pretty weird. This whole thing is pretty weird. On the first time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Yes. Actually, it's not the first time caller line. This is my Area 51 line. Okay, they said 702-727-1222 is the first time caller. Well, line. that's right, but um, I, I take it you're a first time caller. Yes, I am. See, I, I'm restricting this line to Area 51 callers, although I'm now beginning to get a little shy about talking to them, so okay. bad things happen when you talk to them. I had an interesting comment about an air show with a stealth fighter pilot that uh, maybe might be a little interesting. All right. Just a couple quick comments, if I can say. Yeah, okay, slip them in. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, go ahead and slip them in now. Go. You're on uh, the air. I mean, turn your radio off. You're on Okay. The air. Um, you know, it makes you wonder about some of these people on Area 51, the physical trail, the verbal trail, what they do with this. Well, I was down at an air show in Oklahoma, and uh, 
they had a stealth fighter pilot down there, and it was after the Gulf War. Yeah. And a lot of people asked him questions, and he was saying how they were on the cutting edge of technology, you know, being able not to be tracked by radar. And he said that they are restricted to what they know, but yet they do know quite a bit about the aircraft. And I, uh, as people were following in and asking questions, you know, I'm kind of a skeptic, and I asked him, well, what's going to happen, you know, with all these secrets of America being, you know, bought from Russians and whatnot? What will they do with you with what you know? I said, are they going to set you up on a Caribbean island and, you know, <laughs> give you the royal treatment? Yeah. And, I mean, his tone changed, and he said, first of all, I served my country, and I'd never do anything like that. And it was almost like I struck a nerve, like, you know, is this something that, uh, you know, maybe makes him wonder, too, that, you know, when they release him from fighter duty, what are they going to do with him? So, you know, it makes you wonder, like that guy saying that he took care of gaps. Um, gaps, you know, what, yeah. Yeah, what's the deal? I mean, do they just end any policy? I, 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 think, I think what he referred to as gaps end up being lumps in the desert. It I, seems so. You know, it makes you wonder, like that guy saying that he took care of gaps. Um, gaps, you know, what, yeah. Yeah, what's the deal? I mean, do they just end any policy? I, 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 think, I think what he referred to as gaps end up being lumps in the desert. I, listen, i got to run. Okay. Thanks. You're listening to a rebroadcast of one of Art Bell's most popular programs. When you hear phone numbers, please do not call. Now, from the Kingdom of Nye, more Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Here again is Art. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave this last photograph up that was taken when we went down off the air, and you'll see me with a white phone line, uh, which is my hotline, talking to the network, and you will see my mysterious visitor making notes like scribbling like crazy because we were off the air, blown off the air somehow or another. Now, will I stop taking Area 51 calls? No, I won't. Will my link go down? It might. (laughs) So, folks, uh, no guarantees about what is to come, but... Hey, what the hell? You only live once. On the uh, international line, you're on the air. Where are you calling from, please? Oh, it's uh, Victoria, Canada. Victoria, Canada. All right. Welcome to the program. Pretty weird, huh? Uh, yeah. I just want to. Uh, don't know if you know, but your international feed's gone down too up here. I beg your pardon. Your your in- international feed to Canada has gone down. It has. Yeah. Well, I'm not hearing you guys from up here in Canada, but I can hear. KIRO from Seattle. From Seattle. So you're not hearing us in Canada? What station would you normally be hearing it on? I'd normally be hearing it on CFAX. CFAX. Yeah. All right. Well, if it ain't one thing, it's another. Um, I guess so. Yep. Well, any comments on Area 51? You want to blow me off a few more stations? Oh, I can't think of anything about (laughs) Area 51, although I've I've kind of had the, the idea, thought, that maybe you're broadcasting from Area 51. You think so? I don't know. Close by, I'll tell you that much anyway. All right, thank thank you very much for the call, and I'm glad you can at least hear us wherever it is you're listening. On my Area 51 line, see, I won't stop. You're on the air. Hello, Mr. Bell. Yes. How you doing? I'm well. You're listening, right? Yes, sir. 
security. This is what they make backup systems for. Well, right on. Right on. I'm security. For Area 51? For Area 51. Currently? Currently. Aren't you risking quite a bit by talking to us? Oh, no. No, because uh, professional cleaners, you know, they dig a lot of holes in the desert. <laughs> God. Professional cleaners? Yes, sir. Cleaners. I don't think I like that term. What do you clean? Well, I use a lot of acid, and uh, oh. I dig a lot of holes. And you dig a lot of holes. Yeah. And I bet you don't let the little things bother you, huh? No, you can't. <laughs> oh, God. It, let, let's see. How can, I, how can I dredge the truth from you? How can I know you're telling me the truth? Just a guess. I, I don't know. In other words, we just got to listen and believe, huh? How long have you been doing this job? Well, 1990. Since 1990. I was in some Gulf War operations, things like that. How'd you get picked for this job? Well, rigorous training, various governmental issues that you have to know, a lot of brain work, mostly. Got any idea why I was tossed off the air like that? Mm, I have a good idea. We worked with some things, some uh, different satellite operations in the Gulf War where we cut down certain transmissions. I have no idea what happened tonight. <laughs> I wouldn't want to say what happened tonight, but I don't think the caller will be calling back. Although I had nothing to do with that. You're the second one to say that. Well, something's been done. Obviously. Something's been done, and things will continue to happen for uh, national security. I mean, people need to know certain things on a need-to-know basis. And, other, and otherwise they don't need to know them, huh? Yes. Yes, sir. <sighs> yes, sir. All right. I appreciate the call. So there you go. See? It is true that, um, and my boss, believe me, is not given to conspiratorial thought. Certainly not the way I play around with it, but look here. That was one of the weirder calls we've ever had. Nothing, I guarantee you, was staged. It just happened. And I have never seen, in all the years I've been broadcasting, the kind of massive failure that we've, we've got right now. I still have no idea, by the way, what's occurred. They're accessing uh, my transmitter by modem, trying to figure out what's occurred. And we'll let you know, but I've never seen this kind of mass failure ever. And as you well know, we've been broadcasting in this manner for years and years and years and years, uh, reliably. Save one time when a rat threw a th uh, wire through, but it's not that this time. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning, Art. Good morning to you. Uh, this is my name's, first name only is Gary. I'm calling you from a cell phone in uh, southeast Missouri. Okay. And uh, I was going to say the uh, I was missed the part where you were off the air, but I had a question for you. It doesn't deal with Area 51. There was a book, and I believe you had the author on. It was called The Mysterious Valley, and uh, the author's name is Christopher O'Brien, I believe. No. Uh, I think you, you're confusing me with another program. I don't recall either the author or the book. Okay, well, he's talking about the uh, San Luis Valley, in, uh, and it borders uh, three uh, Colorado and two other states, and he was talking about a lot of area 
mysterious activities, uh, UFO activity. If you get a chance, uh, that would be a pretty good person to have on your program. He had some very interesting things. He started out as, uh, I think, something of a skeptic, and then uh, he uh, found himself in the same position you were in. Uh, he's been deluged by people with uh, stories and uh, has actually taken photographs and footage himself of a UFO uh, phenomenon. Well, by the way, we've got, in case anybody is really wondering and curious, we've got a picture of, sure, of Area 51 on the website now. The non-existent Area 51 that I'm apparently getting in so much trouble for talking about. Right. Oh, and I, I had a suggestion for you. Uh, the uh, gentleman that asked about uh, what color was the door and how you pay for your lunch, one way you might want to uh, verify that is get somebody that you think would be credible, uh, maybe this Bob Lazar yep. or somebody, and then privately ask them and give them uh, the questions, say what is your answer to it, and then use that, and then... All right, that's pretty, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. All right, thank you. Okay. Right, uh, that's a good idea. I could do that. I know Bob. Uh, on my Area 51 line, you're on the air. Hello. Art? Yes. Hi, um, I'm calling about the guy who called from Whidbey Island. Yeah, but you're not an Area 51 employee, are you? Well, this is the only line I knew. No, can't, you gotta call on another line. Okay, which one do you know? Any of them. Okay. Alright, bye. Uh, see, that's a, for Area 51 employees only. Or retired Area 51 employees who could probably, would be more likely to talk in my estimation. On my Area 51 line, you're on the air. Hey there, let me turn down my radio here. Alright, please. Okay, um, let me just say something about that. Uh, Are you an Area 51 employee? Um, not currently, no. Were you? Yes, I was. Uh, All right. But I only will stay on the line for 45 seconds. All right, uh, then go. Uh, that, uh, did you hear a distinctive sound? Uh, you wouldn't have, but I want you to ask your listeners. Um, there was silence, and then there was a distinctive voice. Uh, didn't sound like yours. It sounded something like I heard connect very faintly, and then nothing. But, you, uh, you don't you don't have that on tape, do you? Oh God, I wish I did. I uh, I usually um, tape a lot of your shows because I don't get to hear them. And tonight was one of the very rare nights that I didn't. But I'm uh, going to hang up now. All right, you're exactly right. 45 seconds on the nose. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Hello. Hello. Bell. Yes. It's Steve in uh, Greenville, South Carolina. Yes, sir. Uh, the caller that came on, uh, the guy that was pretty scared. Yeah. Uh, he came on, you know, and he was kind of ranting and raving about how scared he was. And he said something about they're going to triangulate pretty quickly. Yes. Then he, you know, he was tore up and almost crying. I thought it was going to be a crank call, because I thought at any time it was just going to be a crank call. No. Until he said the natural, something about natural disasters that are going to happen, they know all about it, and then they're going to, you know, destroy it. They won't, because they want the cities destroyed to make the people more controllable. Okay, and that's, that's where, when he cut off. That's when he cut off. Yeah, and I got then, that in the facts. And then he came, there was what this guy just said. Some other, you know, you were off the air for just a second or two, yeah. and then another sound in the background. I couldn't tell if it was him yelling or disconnect or whatever, and then you were... You heard uh, that, too? I heard something. Uh, it faded back in. 
and I couldn't. I'm in my car right now calling you. I've been trying to call to tell you exactly what I heard because I focused. You know, it was so weird. I thought it was like I said, it was going to be a crank call, but then he all of a sudden, he really, you know, that when all this happened made it sound pretty real. But he came, something came back in with some other conversation. It went back out for like a minute and a half, and then your uh, your opening theme song, the uh, yeah, that's when the network brought up my right. theme. It, that, that wasn't coming from me. That was coming from the network. Right. It played for about maybe a minute or a minute and a half. And then all of a sudden, Mark Furman's talking about, here's a couple of plants for home growth and yeah. you know, the show you did the other night. Well, here's the weird thing. I, the moment they told me I was off the air, I turned and started monitoring my own network. Right. And it lasted for about a minute or two minutes, I would say. Right. And then it went like yeah. that, and I lost the network here. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I, I was listening to this guy talk, and I said, I've got the call because... There was a lot of things this guy was saying that weren't, you know, he was just kind of scared. And he, but I remember him saying, I've, I can't talk too long because they'll triangulate on this pretty quick. You remember that? Yes, I do. And yeah, and then he came, and then he was like ranting and raving and back to the, and I thought he said like natural or disaster. He did. He said, yeah, he said something about natural oh, disaster. It was, man, art. You got an awesome show. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> we I, enjoy it out here. I just hope I can keep doing it. Take... Yeah, and you're getting verbals. I guess that's from your backup system. Yeah, that's correct. I've got a guess on your. I mean, I'm in my car, so I can't see a computer. It's not fair to us not to know who your special guest is. Uh huh. No. Ah, <laughs> well, that was my guess. Good guess. <laughs> all right. Um, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Now. Because I know that some of you will go to morning shows on the East Coast. My special guest is name Mark Ehrman, not Mark Furman. <laughs> Mark Ehrman, and uh, he is uh, here making notes like crazy and watching this crazy night occur to us. And he is here from Penthouse Magazine. So Penthouse is going to do a story. They got a hell of a story now, huh? <laughs> so what you will see in the background is me. Uh, if you look at the studio cam, I bet people are going up there like crazy right now. You will see me just after the failure has occurred, and you'll see Mark Ehrman from Penthouse Magazine making notes like crazy. Um, so there you are, folks. I, I didn't want to hang people up. I just thought I'd. I, and by the way, everybody's guessed. Everybody from my son. To, I've got a whole stack of faxes here, guessing that uh, he was everybody but who he is. <laughs> West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Going once. Going twice, gone. East, east of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Hello. Hi. In remote viewing, I discovered there's a huge alien base uh, centered about uh, south, uh, excuse me, east of you. And it could have tentacles that reach all the way to Washington State. And I just want to say that I think by reviving our spiritual life is the only protection we have because the technology and military systems are far outweigh our own and there's just no other way but to put icons in your home to pray and revive your own religious and spiritual life. That's it, huh? That's the way it looks to me. <laughs> so I, got, I picked up a few of the CIA books and started honing in on uh, my own remote viewing capacities. And you discovered all this? 
I, I saw that just the other day. So it could be psychomental material. It's hard to say. That's a new one on me, a new word, psychomental. Yeah, psychomental material. And we're dealing with um, reptilia, uh, kind of a reptoid race, greys and draconians. And they're not really friendly to us, you know? Especially to earth women. <laughs> well, I feel safe. <laughs> You know, Don't I really laugh. Don't because I'm resting in the heart of God. So that's what I want to say to the viewers: is like if you've got the remnants of your religion, call them out. This is the time for it. Okay? All right. Uh, I'll consider myself preached to there. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Hey, Art. Yes. Um, I got a quick question. It's Area 51. Yes. What exactly is that? I just I tuned in about an hour ago, oh, and man. I have no idea what what you're talking about. Okay, it. where are you? I'm in uh, Montana. Montana. Area 51 is a secret base okay. that the U.S. government claims does not exist, that I have a photograph of up on the website, where they do all kinds of really weird things. And it's just a few miles over the mountain from me here. That's Area 51. Okay. It, oh. It's in Nevada then? Or? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, near, not far from the Mercury test site, if you have heard of that. Well, you know I have they, no idea where that is. Well, that's where they lit off the big bombs. Oh, okay. All right? Right. And uh, your website, is how, uh, what's the address for that? It's www.artbell.com. Right. Okay. All right? All right. Thank All right. you, sir. Take care. That's it. That is my website. And it just, during the outage, incredibly, what are the odds of that? It clicked over to 5 million, and I verified that, too. Ooh, this is a very strange night on Coast to Coast AM. presentation of Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Well, it just gets stranger and stranger. I have never heard of what you're about to hear about in all my life. We're, I'm going to take you now up to Oregon, Medford, Oregon, where our engineer, network engineer, Tony Howell, is on the line. Tony, are you there? Yes, Ed, I'm here. Okay, um... Tony, you just got off the telephone with General Electric in New Jersey, I guess, correct? Correct, GE Americom. GE Americom in, in New Jersey. Um, when I went off the air, what happened? Well, the story goes that um, the satellite that you transmit on, GE-1, seems to have lost its Earth sensor lock. Its Earth sensor lock. Correct, meaning that it... It lost its orientation in the sky just slightly and started a uh, kind of a shift. So many of the frequencies, KU and C, um, actually started to phase out. And what happened to your frequency? Um, so in other words, it would not just have been me. It would have been everybody on the satellite I'm using, which would have been quite a considerable number of broadcast facilities, wouldn't it? 
Well, even even wilder than that, it was 50 channels. 50 on, channels. 50 channels on GE1, um, including not including our channel, which is the network's KU channel, which, as everybody knows, we stayed on the air just fine. You're the one that went down. Yeah, I went down. That's right. Well, then how could you... No, wait a minute. Well, you use the same GE1 to get it back to New Jersey, right? Exactly. That's so just amazing. If it lost Earth lock, it should have lost, uh, which means the satellite lost orientation momentarily. Right. Then uh, it should have lost it for everything. It, well, strangely enough, many channels did stay in the air, including our channel, except your channel, and 50 others. And 50. So it just it just depended who you were and where you were. Too weird, Tony. Really weird. And if that's not weird, as you know, I monitored my transmitter here, and I watched all the sync locks, and they were gone like this transmitter was gone. Yeah, you just weren't touching anything in the sky. I, I mean, you were totally missing your... Uh, Satellite. Bird, yeah. Oh, so, Tony. I know. It took them about... Uh, it took them about a half an hour to get it back uh, together. They had everybody scrambling around GE, trying to get it oriented, orientated properly. Well, I sure would like to understand how you can lose 50 channels out of a total of how many, do you think? I would say there's probably uh, at least 200 up there, at least. So, so then a quarter of the channels were lost because it lost its look at Earth. Um, I just, you know what? I almost don't believe that. I mean, I guess I've got to accept the explanation. Well, uh, well, you you know yourself that um, with all the weather changes going on, things are just terribly weird around here. <laughs> weird so is the if word for it. you know, if for some reason it was supposed to be looking and getting its power solarly uh, from the sun and looking at it in a specific spot and not finding it there, it could have lost its sink. Oh, so maybe um, just one of the panels supplying, say, a quarter of the spacecraft lost it. Yeah. Of course, GE, you know, it's still early in the game. GE's not quite certain, but that's how it's looking. Well, Tony, it's the damnedest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Yeah, I, <laughs> you got me. All right. Well, I, I, I do have you, and I'm glad to have you, and I'm sure glad you gave us all that information uh, and, and now I'm more curious than ever. Well, uh, just so you know, GE is supposed to publish a uh, public report on what happened. So you will get some kind of information out of it. <laughs> I wonder <laughs> if we'll get the real thing. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see. It was a, Did you hear the... You probably didn't hear the moment that it failed. I, I actually did, and... Um, well, I have just re-listened to it, and it you can hear it slightly lose lock when the caller was uh, talking at the end of his uh, conversation. All right. Tony, bless your heart. I thank you for coming on the air and telling us about this. I still don't fully understand nor believe. <laughs> I guess we'll see the written report. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Art. That's Tony Howell uh, at our network in Oregon. So, my transmitter didn't blow up, even though it acted like it blew up, because it lost everything. My transmitter lost everything. And the network, using the same satellite to transfer it to New Jersey, did not lose it. But it wasn't because of anything that happened here. It was because the satellite itself, they say, lost Earth, um, the, 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 uh, the link to Earth, 
didn't know where Earth was anymore, or at least a portion of it, and took about a quarter of the totality of the channels, 250, off the air. Now, is that weird or what? All right, what I'm going to do is my, uh, I'm going to do my little uh, commercial set here, and then I want the folks at the network to uh, back it up at least two minutes, at least two minutes or more, before failure, and I want to replay that, and I want to hear it myself. I want to hear it myself. So I'm going to be listening to it down here. So if the network would please prepare to do that. On my Area 51 line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Yes. Hi. Um, I, I, I don't have a whole lot of uh, time. Um, well, look, let's begin yeah. by finding out whether you're using this line properly or not. Area uh, 51. Yeah, um, that's right. Were you an employee or are you now? Uh, I, a former employee. Former employee. Um, I, I, I was let go on a medical discharge about a week ago, and and <laughs> I, I've kind of been running a, across the country. Um, oh man, I don't know where to start. They're they're uh, they're, they're going to um, they'll triangulate on this position really really soon. So um, you can't spend a lot of time on the phone. So give us t- something quick. Okay. Um. Um. Okay, what what we're thinking of as as aliens are they're uh, they're they're extra dimensional beings that an earlier precursor of the um, space program made contact with uh, they they are not what they claim to be uh, they have infiltrated a lot of uh, uh, a lot of aspects of of, of the military establishment, particularly the Area 51, uh, the, the disasters that are coming, they, the, the military, I'm sorry, the, the government knows about them, and there's a lot of safe areas in this world that they could begin moving the population to now aren't. But they're not doing, they're not doing anything. They are not, they want the major population centers wiped out so that the, the few that are left will be more easily controllable. That was it. Uh, that was it. That's where it cut off. Um, wow. Wow. All right. Now I've heard it. I uh, Thank you, folks. I was unable to hear that myself until just now. Whew. Weird, weird stuff. In all my life, uh, I mean, I went in the other room, and I looked at the uplink transmitter, and it was like it was dead as a doornail. I mean, everything was, uns- there was no sync light, there was no anything. Every indicator on the transmitter said it was dead as a doornail, and in fact, it was not dead. The um, satellite in space that it was looking at was dead, or only to be more specific, one portion of that satellite in space was dead. I don't know. This is one for the record books. On my Area 51 line, you're on the air. Hello. Yes, I'd like to follow up with the Area 51 uh, contributions being given. Yes, please. Uh, are you an employee or were you? Um, actually, um, in a separate field, but related. Um, Within the uh, Nevada state, we have several air traffic um, dispatches that handle a lot of, you know, the bank's work, uh, 
um, when they fly in case of a national disaster. Yep. Uh, we're often green-lighted to go ahead and maintain, make sure that uh, people's money is safe and all the transactions okay, you know, are um, God in knows good hands. That if there's a national emergency, the one thing we have to preserve is our financial structure, huh? Yeah, well, you know, money makes the world go round. Yes, it does. Oh, no, I try not to preach that. Anyhow. Well, um, it, it really is true, though. You know, um, absolutely, absolutely. And it's a necessity, and, it, you know, at one time it did pay my bills. Um, I'm not in that field anymore. Uh, that's uh, on account of personal problems. But in relation to being around certain facilities that uh, would, you know, handle any kind of, any kind of uh, incoming or outgoing dispatching of just, you know, small light craft, um, we had an interesting cleaning service that would come in and collect every piece of hard copy transcript that we'd have print up in regards to weather charting, in regards to... Cleaning service? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, they'd come in and they'd go ahead and take and make sure that any kind of trash that we had or any kind of hard copy of any kind of weather reporting or any kind of um, basic, you know, satellite. We have a national um, weather service which provides us with um, reasonable um, uh, anticipations of what the precipitation might be like at certain altitudes that our pilots that are coming in are available. Okay, that makes sense. Safely. Anyhow, it, all of that had to be confiscated, and we weren't allowed to hold on to any records, which proved really interesting because uh, it was pretty tight, tight security for just working on these small aircraft flying back and forth. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, you know, those those cleaning guys didn't mess around. They were pretty pretty serious about their business. Yeah, you know, I had a fellow a little while ago who called himself a cleaner, so you, I take it you bought that as serious. Um, well, you know, it, it rang a muted bell, and that's a why I decided I'd <laughs> contribute. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I was going to call you on the first-time caller thing, and then when he mentioned the cleaner thing, yep. it, it rang a bell. Um, anyhow. Uh, would you think, may, may I ask, please ask a question? I, I I know that you may not be able to answer this, but wild as this may sound, it does now appear that the satellite that I'm using suddenly lost Earth track, uh, or at least a portion of the satellite I'm using, which is even stranger, lost Earth track during a very critical call, as you heard. You know, that's that's really rare. That is such a frequent happening. Infrequent? As... I've never in all my broadcast career heard of it occurring. Ever, no, ever, no. ever, ever, and I've been in this business for 30 years now. Absolutely, absolutely, and considering the kind of money that's involved, I, it, it really surprises me that, you know, something like this so my is question being taken is, lightly. My question is, could somebody have deliberately caused what, what, what occurred? How hard can it be? Someone's at the controls. I appreciate your call. Thank you. Absolutely. God bless. Take care. There you are. Wild card line, you're on the air. Hi. Thank you. Turn your radio off, please. Turn your radio off. Jim. Very important. Turn turn. Ra- I know the, the other off. person probably wants to listen, but they, it won't work. You've got to have that off. Yeah. All right. There's Nancy in Palm Springs. Hi, Nancy. Uh, last, I'm a 10-year listener, first-time caller. <laughs> All right. All right. Last week, a gentleman called, I believe, from Lakewood, California. He was trying to get a copy of Penthouse Magazine for September. And I just wanted to say that on September 1st, I went to three or four places trying to get it. And the man where I finally found a copy said he had been told to pull them all and send them back. You know what? You know what? 
I've heard this from I don't know how many different callers and faxers that the September issue of Penthouse got pulled back. I've got a Penthouse person sitting right next to me. Uh, that's what I understood. And the thing is that I said, well, I didn't want the October issue. I wanted the one that had that cancer article in it. Right. And he said, well, I'll tell you what. I was told to pull them, but they're still sitting in the back room. If you want to wait a minute, I'll go get you one of them, which he did. And I bought it and left and was very grateful because they were told to pull them and send them back. That's what the man told me. At all right. Uh, look, I've got somebody from Penthouse here. I'll ask for you, all right? Sure. All right, thanks. Um, I, I, I've had a bunch of people tell me that. Is there anything, anything to that at all? Uh, you are if you get closer. Have you, have you heard that yourself? Tomorrow. All right. All right, all right, that'd be, that'd be cool, thanks. Um, yeah, I've heard that from a number of people, that that issue was uh, somehow recalled or called back. I don't know what the deal is. But there was a, a big article by um, Kathy Keaton, Bob Guccione's uh, wife, about her cancer treatment. Of course, we had Bob Guccione on, and then we had Kathy Keaton on, and I got, I don't know, a dozen reports, a good dozen reports. That magazine had been called back, curious, very curious, on a curious night. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. Hello. I just wanted to say a couple things about um, the fellow who called and was so scared. Yes. It's often hard to tell who's telling the truth and who's not I know. telling the truth. But I'm going, and I was talking myself out of believing that he was for real yep. because he was sort of too scary. Yep. But going back to, I get certain physical sensations when I know I'm hearing the truth. And that guy was for real. Well. I believe he was. I think you have a couple of callers tonight who were absolutely for real. I say, yeah, me too. I say it again. I've been broadcasting for 30 years. And in 30 years, I have never seen what happened happen. In 30 years, I never have had a call quite like the one that I had when this occurred. Mm -hmm. Well, I remember Jimmy Joe Bob or whatever. Jimmy Joe was. Bob, that was weird. Yeah. Yep, that was weird. But it was not quite as weird in its own way as this one. For sure. And I, I also want to say a couple other things, and it's that I wouldn't personally believe General Electric and what they were telling me about what happened with the satellite. No. Wouldn't necessarily. And also, I think that um, national security is unnecessary. I think that I think that there really and truly is no such thing as national security. I think it's always been breached. Um, I think that whoever supposedly the enemy, the, we all know each other's so-called secrets. You know, you know things. what I, you know what I worry about now? Hmm? That I'm the enemy. Oh yeah, well exactly, and we are the enemy. You know, um, for talking about it out loud. I you mean, might be exactly right. I, I got to go, hon. We're at a break point here, bottom of the hour. That's a hard thing to contemplate, isn't it? That we, or even that I, might be the enemy. This is Coast to Coast AM. Stay tuned for more of the best of Art Bell right after a word from your local sponsors. 
Let's um, go to our international line and say good morning. Good morning. Uh, who are you and where are you calling from? Uh, I'm going to use a alias of Bill. I'm uh, calling from Tucson, Arizona. Um, Bill, Tucson? Mm-hmm. How did you get on my international line? I don't know. I don't know. I called the 1702 number. Oh, you did, huh? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, anyway, uh, why are you using an alias? There must be a reason for that. Uh, I used to work for Hughes Aircraft as maintenance mechanic, um, maintenance engineering. Aha. Uh-huh. And a lot of the work at Area 51 comes out of Hughes Aircraft. You bet it does. And um, we worked with some equipment. Uh, I don't want to get real specific. By the way, just so you know... Fairly top-secret equipment. Just so you know, sir, I'm a Hughes AML microwave uh, school uh, alumni myself. Okay. Uh, We used to have a piece of equipment. We had a hell of a time shielding. And whatever hammered you, hammered Tucson. Hammered Tucson? It hammered Tucson, Arizona. How so? I was sitting here working on my computer listening to the radio, and um, at exactly... 10, maybe 15 seconds before you lost your signal, yes. I lost every bit of data in my computer. You're kidding. Uh-uh. My, my hard drive is fine, but every bit of data on it is gone. And uh, like, that, that implies an EMP pulse. Uh-huh. You know what? You know what? You well, know what? there's more. Well, uh, I'll, let me suggest something was, to you. Let me Hold on. Slow down. Um, did you know that our Defense Department requested permission to um, zap a satellite in orbit with a laser? Did you know that? Yes, I did. That's news that's been breaking over the last few days, and that just came back to me now. Now, you got hit with an EMP pulse. I would be willing to bet because what I was telling you about this piece of equipment, we had a hell of a time shielding. If I didn't keep my watch in my locker, it would wipe my watch, too. I got a digital watch. Yeah. I went and checked my watch. It's wiped. It's blank. It's it's reading 12 midnight, flashing. Just as if I would change the battery. Whatever hits your transmitter, I have to tend to believe we've got a lot of cloud cover down here right now. Yeah. I think we got a cloud bounce out of it, and it... It hammered Tucson. Okay. I Listen, I appreciate uh, the call. I'm sorry you lost everything on your drive. I've got it backed up on disk. That's no big deal. But I'm just letting you know I've seen what EMP can do. Well, I just got handed a fax uh, from Buzz in California. It says, Art, don't know if you heard the comment, the caller who claimed to be a gap Fixer, but he said that you were pulsed. Uh huh. And you agree. Uh huh. I didn't hear the comment, but I, I can certainly concur that you got pulsed. I, pre- I, I believe the validity of that one call. I believe it was absolutely valid. I uh, I appreciate your call. Okay. Thank you. Well, there's a bunch of people saying it then. I'm in a very strange business, you know it.
From the kingdom of Nye, across the country, around the world, and throughout the universe, this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell on the CBC Radio Network. First time caller line, no, 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 Area 51 uh, line, you're on the air. Hello, Mr. Bell. Yes. How you doing? Uh, I'm, well, I'm a little stranged out. I know. Since you ask. I know, a lot of things have been happening out there today. Yeah. Yeah, well, some gaps have been fixed, and uh, our streets are nice and clean. Some gaps have been fixed, and our streets are nice and clean. That's kind of cryptic. Mm-hmm. You mean it to be? Yeah. Situation was taken care of rather quickly, wouldn't you say so? <laughs> um. How 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 do you know what you know? I'm a current Area 51 employee, and we've handled the problem. You know you know what I'm beginning to believe. You're really an Area 51 employee? Yes, sir. Are you not afraid of retribution for making this call? No, because we're security, and that's why Area 51 exists, as far as security. Yeah, you're right about that. And just situations have been claimed tonight, especially. Okay, thank you very much. You know, I'm not sure I don't want to pick up that line anymore. Um, I believe, you know, I believe in coincidence. I really don't uh, like jumping to some sort of conspiratorial answer for something that occurs automatically, but for this to occur at that particular moment, something that I've never seen occur in 30 years of broadcasting during a very specific moment, I find that coincidence way beyond... Uh, any probability. And now I'm getting callers saying, yeah, it was pulsed. It was done to you. Huh. Huh. Strange life. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Yeah, hi, Art Bell. That's me. Yes, hi. Um, this is Mike from New York. I'm calling because I recall um, a guest you had on several weeks ago who spoke of an incident occurring in Cheyenne uh, Mountain, Wyoming? Um, yes, you're exactly right. What he said, to catch the audience who might not have heard that, right. is that there are a whole bunch of Cheyenne employees right. who decided to retire early, mm-hmm. took their families, and moved to, I think he said, South America? Right, South America. And uh, I guess it was Stan Dale from Australia who um, had some... Um, connection with a retired chaplain in the army who had spoken to some of these people as they were passing through that's exactly right and we had a number of people verify that now that's scary as hell because why would employees in cheyenne mountain suddenly decide to take their families and every friend they could convince and leave right and on a moment's notice with the idea that they were exposed to it at least the impression i got that they had access to information as it was fed into Cheyenne, Wyoming, that they saw something that scared them and prompted them to leave uh, very quickly. And I'm wondering, possibly, if that's connected to what this caller was, uh, this, this man who was frightened earlier was uh, referring to in, the, in uh, respect to some 
impending disaster or disasters. Yeah, for, for a second, um, just forget about the fact that I was seem to be blown off the air. I mean, I've right. never seen it. Forget about that, and just right. go back to the content of the call as much as you heard. Yeah, I, well, it was strange. I mean, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> I'm not used to uh, speaking on the radio, but I didn't know what happened. I thought possibly that you had gotten off the air with him and was speaking to him uh, and you had cut the music on yourself because it sounded like he was starting to lose it and you were, you know, just trying no. to calm, calm him down. And no, no, that call was completed. I mean, in the sense that I would say it went on probably another minute from that point and then he screamed and the, yes. and the connection terminated. And the scream was not recorded by your network in Oregon. No. No, no, because that's when we lost the satellite. Right, right. And I thought I was still on the air. I looked over. I saw my hotline from the network ringing. Mm -hmm. I picked it up, and they said, hey, we've lost you. Right. And what, what do you think prompted the scream? Could you hear anything in that, inter that one minute that the, the network uh, where we, had, uh, we no, could no longer hear him, but you still could? What did he say during that one-minute interval? Do you recall? Or? Uh, I, that, that would be interesting. It, it was kind of like... He realized that he had been on too long. I, I'm just, I'm sort of paraphrasing the last right. minute because it was a very confused time. Mm -hmm. But I, I had the sense that he felt that he had been on too long, that somebody was on to him or something was about to happen to him. And then at the very end, this is all stuff you didn't hear. Right. Uh, it was a, kind of a scream and a screech and a cutoff, uh, just a click. And, and did the, uh, the other man, the mystery, or the penthouse guest in your studio, did he get to hear what you heard, or was it just like through your... your... No, you know, he got to hear what I... Uh, thank God. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You know what? Hold on a minute. Okay. Uh, take those headphones off. Take those headphones off. Talk to this, talk to this caller. Hello? Yeah, hi. I was wondering, did you, you got to hear that one-minute interval of, uh, between when the network cut off and when the man screamed and hung up the phone or was... Well, actually, um, the call, what Art said is, is what happened. The call was completed. He screamed, and then the line went dead. And there was even another uh, phone caller after that, I think an open line right. caller. And he was talking for a while, and, and it was during that call that I think Art uh, realized that... Um, that we weren't broadcasting. Right. No, what I, yeah, I understand that. I was just getting at during that one minute... We, you know, when Art replayed what the network had on tape, um, we we got to hear uh, the caller who was, uh, you know, disturbed, uh, mm -hmm. what he had to say until that instant when it was cut off for us. But you still got to hear another minute of that phone call. Yeah, it's 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 hard to say how much how much more of that there was, but yeah, probably about a minute. About a minute. Mm-hmm. And, and during that time, you, you couldn't relay to the audience anything additionally as to w what the caller was or about disasters or anything else? Did he give anything more specific, or could you hear anything in the background? I mean, was it like did someone run up to the phone and knock it out of his hand, or, you know, could you tell? Well, it could, it, I, I actually had thought it, it sounded something like that, or the phone dropping. It, it was hard to tell, right. and I think it, it got kind of more and more rambling toward, right. toward the end and, and more and more disconnected. But, um, okay. Yeah, uh, that's... Yeah. No, that's that's fine. I was just, as I was saying to Art, that uh, he, he had a caller uh, who uh, several weeks ago mentioned a bunch of uh, employees or now former employees of Cheyenne Mountain in Wyoming, which is connected with, I think, NORAD or SAC or something, and into which is fed 
all of the electronic and other intelligence information from around mm-hmm. the world, uh, you know, vis-a-vis the federal government. And it, it's oh, the impression I got, um, and I, I know some other people who listened that they got as well, was that these people saw something that scared the heck out of them, and it was something that, that they thought they could survive by leaving the country. Mm-hmm. And here this caller earlier, this disturbed man, is saying there are impending, disa- uh, impending disaster disasters, which can be avoided. Mm-hmm. There are safe areas you can go to, but the government or the people in power are not going to inform the average you know, uh, citizen, the average American of these things, because it's going to serve some purpose that they have. Yet the people in Cheyenne, Mount Wyoming, who presumably, possibly have access to this same information, saw this stuff. At least this is the conclusion maybe I'm coming to. Not, not categorically or absolutely, but there's, there is some kind of an overlap here. Saw this, possibly saw the same information and decided to get to one of these so-called safe areas. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I recall the show, but um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't know anything more about that. I just figured I'd bring it up uh, right. as maybe an issue. Maybe someone else can call in or someone who knows more about the Cheyenne Mountain. Okay, hold on. I'm going to put Art back on. Okay. All right, I'm here again. Yeah, um, okay. I, listen, all right, I heard all that, and I appreciate your call. Okay. And it's, uh, it's, worthy, uh, it's noteworthy what you said, uh, the connection you make, and I'll think about that. Yeah, I, I, living in New York, I get your show on the skip from various cities, so I don't sure. get to hear it every night. So maybe I was thinking I missed something in the interim. But no, uh, you heard an interesting show tonight, for sure. Oh, <laughs> definitely. Your, All right. show, your show is great. Thank you. Keep up the good work. T- take care. All right. Uh, without a lot of time, most of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. All right, you got only eight minutes more until you close out. Yep. This is Lady of Connect. Um, that day you came into Anchorage, was that the day that we had all that thunder and lightning stuff happening down here? Um, you, where, where are you again? Kinnick, Alaska. Kinnick, Alaska. When I came into Anchorage, it was beautiful, beautiful weather uh, for the inside passage, for the, uh, the glaciers and all the rest of it. But when we got to Anchorage, it was pouring. It was, uh, I was going to go up in a Black Hawk helicopter. you remember that thunder and lightning? Uh, yeah. Well, I was sitting across Cook Inlet, and I was thinking about you when you was coming in. And what's really, really strange... How many, how many people think you got listening out there across the world? Millions. A million. No, no, no. I said millions, plural. Millions. Yeah, they estimate 10 to 12 million. Well, you know what, Art? I think you're more prophetic than what you realize. Prophetic? Because he's, yeah. Did you say he pathetic, pathetic or prophetic? Prophetic. Back <laughs> <camera>. <laughs> yeah. Because you know why? Why? He says that uh, in them days that people are going to uh, leave the faith and give heed to seducing spirits. Yep. And he says it's going to be as it was in the times of Noah when people were laying with strange flesh. And I've heard you talk about people talking about all kinds of weird stuff going down. And you know what, Art? We're really in them days. And you know that red heifer? Yep. This last Passover, it was 18 months old. And this November, it's going to be two years old. And they can't use it for temple worship until it's three years. That's one year from this November. That would be about the right timing, wouldn't it? Yeah, he's at the door. All right, you know what, Art? If, if, uh, if Teacher Malachi was on the air, there's one thing I would ask him about you. I'd say, you know, you got all these people and stuff, and he'd say, are you hot or, or are you cold? Because if you're warm, he's going to spew you. <laughs> all right, thanks. I had to get Malachi back on the air again. I'm, I'm feeling the need. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. It's uh, Paul in Philadelphia. Hi, Paul. Wow, that's pretty intense. That, uh, yeah, you, you got cut off there. I was thinking that if it is a real call 
and and uh, and and what happened as a result. Uh, Frankly, I don't know which is weirder: the call we had, or the story that GE Americom is trying to tell us about what happened. Yes. Well, well, if it is real, then we should all pray that the that you know that uh, if uh, he's been cleaned or whatever, that he is is. in the bosom of a friendly God, and if it and if it's fake, I think we're all relatively intimidated. So I, I shall choose not to be intimidated. But um, well, if it's I fake, the, if it's fake, the timing was unbelievable. Yes, and and uh, I'm 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 successfully uh, made nervous by it, and uh, and uh, you know I wish I wish you well and uh, love your show as usual, and uh, that was pretty creepy. Pretty creepy, yes, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Take Bye. care. That's uh, Pawn Photo here. First time caller. Oh, no, I'm not even answering that line. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Hello. Yeah, this is John in Sacramento. Hi, John. Turn uh, your radio off, please. Yeah, that's what I'm reaching for. All right. Uh, yeah. Art? Yes. I have an interesting fact for you if I can get it in. All right, go. I'm in Sacramento. Yesterday on the news, they announced there were three specially equipped uh, planes that would be leaving McCullen Air Force Base that we're going to be traveling to Bosnia that are equipped to shut down broadcast television. I'm aware of that. Uh, They're not only going to shut it, they're going to jam it. And they also have the ability to broadcast uh, a replacement uh, signal. No, you're absolutely correct. Yeah, that was very interesting. I just wondered if they might have just left and passed over your station. (laughs) Done a test on the way? Kind of, you know, that kind of thing. Who knows? Too weird for me. Yeah, a little strange. I appreciate I had him on a clip of the, you know, video clip of him on the news here in Sacramento. I'm very glad I had this gentleman from Penthouse with me tonight, uh, just as a witness. Yeah. Because yeah. nobody else heard the rest of the call. He did. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was very unsettling. And all of a sudden, we had the detective from L.A. when you came back. Mark Furman, yeah. And I had a, uh, a detective friend call me. He said, what's going on? I says, I think he's off the air with the guy that was on the phone or something. <laughs> That's exactly right. I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Have a good night. You too. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Uh, hi, Wally uh, from Honolulu. Hi, Wally. Art, um, watch out. Uh, Courtney, remember Courtney Brown and all that that happened? Of course. You know, uh, couldn't it be that uh, you're getting set up like he was? Hey. Now you got to watch that. Setups can happen anytime, can't they? Yeah. But, uh, you know, because uh, the guy sounded deranged to me. And also, I got uh, a couple of seconds more than you had on that tape. Um, you went in and out and in and out a couple of times before you finally went down. Well, listen, this strange, strange night is over. I'm out of time. From uh, the islands, you're going to get the honors this morning, so do it. Fantastic. <laughs> do it, do it, do it. From Honolulu, Godspeed to everyone. <laughs> that's it. Bye. Good night. Good night. Uh, that's it, folks, from the high desert. I'll be thinking about this one for a while. James Von Prague tomorrow night, assuming we're here. Good night. If you've missed any part of tonight's program and you'd like to have a copy on tape, Dial toll-free 1-800-917-4278. That number is 1-800-917-4278.